Bank Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope you had an awesome long weekend. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Packed show today because there is a lot to break down going over the uh, course of the last three days since we've been on the air with our big Friday show and a fun marble race to finish off last week. Obviously, we will get to the latest rumors and whatnot regarding Barry Trotz, the breakdown of the CFL-CFLPA agreement. Jeff Hamilton is going to join us for an extended segment. He'll be on a little later on. And we'll also talk hiring coaches, what's going on behind the scenes, and Stanley Cup playoffs with TSN's Dave Poulin. And maybe, just maybe, a trip out to Alberta to tee up tonight's Battle of Alberta a little bit later on in the program. Uh, needless to say, uh, both what was happening on the ice and off the ice, plenty of hockey topics. Uh, we'll also maybe get to the PGA Championship on the weekend, which was uh, ended up being a thriller. Wasn't expecting that earlier in the day, uh, but certainly gave us some uh, excitement on late Sunday afternoon. Um, listen, let's get Remus in here and get things going. A big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Aikens Lake, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Breezy Bend. Oh, great to have the golf courses open. And some nice weather for golf today if you're able to get out. Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partners over at Coolbet Canada. Speaking of Coolbet, Dustin Nielsen and I just dropped the latest edition of the Lock Shop. So uh, maybe after you're watching Winnipeg Sports Talk, you can check out our picks and some of the banter we had earlier. Um, search Lock Shop wherever you get your podcast, and it's there. Obviously, it's up on our social media feeds as well. Let's get to it. Michael Remus, how was, uh, how was your weekend? You had a busy one. Wedding uh, wedding festivities are are back in full effect. Uh, how was your, uh, your F apparel suit? Oh, yeah. Did you get lots of comments on it? Oh, man. Everyone said that I was in the, gr- in the groomsman party. Everyone said I was the hottest groomsman in my F apparel <laughs> suit. Only. No. Nah. Definitely so that, the clothes make the man, I guess. Yeah, definitely the clothes make the man. So, yeah, I lo- felt great. Um, was able to move freely on the dance floor as well. So shout out to F Apparel for the suit and shout out to Seth and Lauren. Uh, fantastic weekend. Weddings are back. And this is how you know it was a uh, Winnipeg wedding house. They had a Slurpee machine behind the bar uh, at Sunday celebration. Elite move. I have been to, I spoke about weddings, you know, that maybe had McDonald's as a midnight snack or, or something like that. But Slurpee machine at a wedding was a first for me. And it was, it was elite as a power. What, what, what was there a McDonald's spread at midnight or whatever? That's no, sort of been something that's been popping up as of late they, at some of these events. They did have uh, mini donuts, which I hadn't had, which was pretty good too. Yeah, man, I know that was that was pretty pretty good. I have some upstairs left over still. Well, there was a kid, a toddler, that somehow got on his mom's Skip the Dishes app, uh, app and ordered thirty-one cheeseburgers over the course oh. of the weekend. I'm not if you saw that. That kid, man. 
uh, so much respect for that kid. We've all done that once or twice, maybe not 31. Uh, and mm. maybe it was on purpose and not accidentally, but uh, it was quite. Anyway, shout out to F Apparel. If you do need to look good for a uh, for a wedding or other event, give Andrew and the gang a call down at 190 Smith Street. And you can also check them online at fapparel.com. Uh, all right, Reem, let's get right to this because I know your inbox was blowing up over the course of the weekend, as was mine. Sort of kept this quiet on social media for obvious reasons because it is such a hot button topic here in Winnipeg. Um, but Trot's watch continued throughout the weekend. And there was a report from a local Jets uh, account and podcast that Barry Trotz had been hired and was going to be announced today as the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Now, um, and we'll get to this with Jeff. Jeff Hamilton, I think, did a, a very good job both writing about it in today's Winnipeg Free Press as well as a, a, a tweet thread yesterday that the Jets are certainly in the mix. Uh, they will be speaking with Barry Trotz, but as Elliot Friedman also said, it is way, way premature uh, to be saying that Barry Trotz is the next head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Now, I would love for the guys, the gang that, that, that rolled that out to be right. Um, at this point, I mean, there's not really much else that would lead us to believe that that is the case. And I'll tell you what, if there's a press conference today uh, that is scheduled, uh, we don't know about it yet. And there hasn't really been any rumbling. So um, I think this may now listen. Uh, and Rima, we were talking about this off air. Um, this is one of three things to me. This could be an account trying to, um, you know, basically drop something like this that is essentially fake news to get people fired up, to have fun with people on the internet, essentially trolling. Um, that would be absolutely Bush League. I mean, if it's people that, you know, basically their audience are Jets fans doing that, if it was, if there was malice intended. I'm not saying that that is the case, but obviously that could be the case. Uh, that would be Bush League if that was the, the case. It, it, number two, um, you know, these guys, you know, these people could be uh, potentially getting played by somebody, having a little fun with them, um, trying to get that out. And um, if that's the case, you know, you, you have to be careful when you're putting things out in the public domain. Um, you know, that, listen, it does, I don't want to say this affects so many people, but in some ways it has. I mean, I think pretty much everyone in the chat was probably talking about this this weekend, asking people what's up. Um, and certainly it uh, it filled the inboxes of a lot of people that cover this team on a regular basis, finding out what the heck is going on. Um, so listen, it could be caught in it, getting some bad information and maybe making a bad choice with making it public. Uh, and then there's the third option. They could be right. Now, it doesn't look like that announcement's happening anytime today, as I mentioned, but tell you what, I mean, if there's something behind the scenes that has led them to believe that this absolutely is happening and it's going to be a day or two later... Listen, I, they will get big time credit if this does come true, um, but it's hard to spend too much time talking about it, Remo, because in a lot of ways, this is the this is the news that everybody wants to hear. So, of course, people want to believe it, but that's what makes that sort of um, information that is far from confirmed a little bit dangerous for people. You get their hopes up. Um, so, I don't really know what to tell you other than um, I hope they're right. Uh, doesn't seem like any of the guys on the inside are indicating that they are at this point. And um, I have a feeling that Trot's watch is going to continue a little while longer. But as I said, if it does come to fruition that he is in fact the coach, and maybe they take an extra day or two to get it done and announce it, 
um, that will be a great thing because if it's one or two, that is um, a sad, sad state of affairs when it comes to, uh, you know, people using the internet to push people's buttons. And uh, certainly had a lot of people excited, but also on edge and the potential of making them very, very disappointed. And certainly anyone that is involved in that Jets space on the, on the net, uh, if you did something like this on purpose just to troll people, I think it's somewhat suicidal for an account that wants to, uh, you know, that wants to get Jet fans in. So fingers crossed that there will be some good news on this, and these guys were way ahead of it. Um, but as of right now, there's not really anything that I can come on here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily and tell you, oh, it looks like it's happening, but it's just late. We really don't know, and we will sort of lean on Jeff Hamilton, who, of course, was speaking about that today. He'll join us later on, as well as insiders like Elliot Freeman and Darren Drager, who uh, really are the go-to guys when confirming important off-ice NHL news. Yeah, I got a couple people messaging me uh, or coming up to me at the wedding that I was at on Sunday saying, did you see this? And, you know, people texting me yesterday and I was, I basically said, look, unless it's from, you know, Elliot Friedman or Dreger, you know, or who's Sarah Valley, LeBron, you know, Jeff Hamilton's putting out uh, information in Marat, then I'm not, I'm not buying in. Um, I'm trying to figure out, you know, why an account would put out that information. And I agree with you. It could have been one of those three things. If you're trying to have a, you know, legitimate you know, credible podcast. I don't know why you would be putting out, you know, trolling everyone like that. So, it, I mean, I don't know, but here we are on Tuesday and there is, there's no announcement. Um, we did have some, you know, some information though, Murat putting it out, uh, shout out to him. I'll just pull up his tweet from the weekend. Um, he said, my own understanding on Trotz, he has more interviews on the way. He won't rush his decision, and Winnipeg is a viable option. I believe this is similar to what Elliot Friedman has reported, and that was yesterday morning's 32 Thoughts podcast. And then Murat also adds he expects Trotz to interview with Dallas in addition to Philly, Vegas, or Detroit. And now that Florida's out, you have to wonder if they're a possible destination <laughs> as well. So that's from Murat. So... I think that's all we know. And then Jeff, we can go through Jeff's lengthy uh, Twitter thread, which uh, everyone was paying attention to yesterday as well. Yeah, listen, Hammer broke it down. I think it was about a nine-parter. I don't know if you want to pull that thing up. Sure. But, I mean, it basically says many of the same things that we've been hearing. I mean, the Jets are certainly in the mix. They're certainly in consideration. There'll probably be more discussions between the two sides. But, I mean, it goes without saying that, you know, Barry Trotz, I think, is going to hear out some of these other um, some of these other teams as far as to what the one interesting thing that came out from hammers, hammers, uh, tweet thread ream is that of the potential suitors out there, none of them at Winnipeg view trots as the long-term solution, meaning future management opportunities. And that could be in addition to coming home, all the romantic stuff that we'd love to be impactful. We don't know whether that will be for Barry Trotz. It has been reported that he has interest in going to a spot where there is somewhat of a plan for him at a certain point to finish being the head coach and move into a management role. Listen, I think the Jets check a lot of the boxes for Barry Trotz right now. Certainly what we don't know is money and some of those other things, but hopefully that won't be an issue and they won't just get crazily outbid and that won't be the difference maker but as far as that additional option of moving into the front office i think it's a no-brainer from a winnipeg perspective you could have that guy on that sort of a plan which i believe at one point was the plan for paul maurice um 
But all of that will come into Barry Trotz's decision. And from everything that we're hearing, that decision simply isn't made as of yet. That's what, yeah, that's what it sounds like. According to Jeff, I agree with you that, um, you know, having into future management, we've talked over the last couple of weeks, how the Jets don't have a president of hockey operations. And that seems to be a position that a lot of other teams are adding in. And would they move Shevel day off who just signed that three-year extension to, you know, maybe after this deal to, uh, you know, president type, you know, overseer position and then elevate trots. Uh, Jeff also did mention a number of names. Some of them he mentioned here a week ago. Um, other potential candidates, Scott Arneal, Claude Julian, Derek Lalonde, Kirk Muller, Pascal Vincent, Spencer Carberry. Uh, and he also floated out Rick Bonus, who left Dallas and Rick Bonus as an assistant and having, and then also Todd Woodcroft, as well so those are some names that is being floated around and it seems like the jets trying to get an answer from trot sooner than later that's what jeff was reporting and he will elaborate later when he joins at at 150 but i mean that's where we are there's not nothing seemingly nothing imminent still a couple more interview teams to be have interviews with and then we'll see but that was the number one story here i mean i know there's a lot of playoff hockey games going on and a lot of teams you know advancing in series and playing series but here i believe trots watch that is that is the number one well, thing on the menu <laughs> and listen it's going to continue it, it will continue all week long until there is some sort of you know definitive result of the quest of both the jets and everybody else in the national hockey league that's throwing their hat in the ring to get barry trots to be their new bench boss um so while we would love to have this thing over and have some clarity, hopefully on a good uh, good thing. You make a good point, though. I think the Winnipeg Jets do want to um, have some clarity at some point soon about this. And if it's not going to be Barry Trotz, which will be very disappointing to many, um, then you go into that next group of candidates. But, I mean, to me, and listen, there's some, you know, some names in there. Claude Julien, I mean, Kirk Muller, the guys that I think would be attractive to this market. But... Let's face it, folks, it's Barry Trotz here and then that other group. And um, there seem to be very focused in on Trotz right now. I know we'd all love to know that that's happening today and have those reports on the weekend be right. It just doesn't look like they are right now. But as I said, if they are, there will be credit doled out and there will be much celebration in and around Winnipeg, Manitoba. The Barry Trotz is coming back home. There was some other Jets news, though, on the weekend, Remo. And could we be seeing the end of Christian Veselainen's time here in Winnipeg. It's reported that he is signing uh, with, I believe, Malmo of the Swedish League. And can't say I'm really surprised by this. Um, you know, Veselainen had his best shot in the National Hockey League this year, playing significant minutes, you know, with Adam Lowry, you know, getting you know a, a, more of an opportunity than almost any young players had, at least in the forward group in a long time. Um, and it just didn't work out. I think he lost his confidence at times. I mean, there could be an argument that maybe he was playing in a spot that wasn't, you know, conducive to him. But the bottom line is, he wasn't bouncing anybody out of that top six. So when you have those limited results, um, you know, he did go back to the Manitoba Moose, but again, didn't really stand out at the AHL level either coming back. Uh, I think it was obvious that maybe Veselainen's time with the organization's done. Now, they can, as long as they give a qualifying offer, they will retain his rights. And I would imagine that's probably something that they will do. Um, but if you were expecting a big bounce back season, Veselainen to be in the mix for the Winnipeg Jets this year, I have a feeling that has changed right now. And um, 
listen, you know, you can't win them all. He was a later round, first round draft pick. Um, he did come. And obviously with having Patrick Liney here, there was a lot of excitement that maybe you could have a another finished slight sniper on the other side. Uh, it just didn't really work out, but um, not for lack of opportunity this year. There's a number of players that can claim that. Veselainen isn't one of them, and uh, sounds like he's going to go back to uh, back to Europe for at least next season. Yeah, I agree. He was given uh, quite a long leash here this year. We had hyped him up in the preseason saying this is his opportunity to take the bull by the horns and go with it, but the 53 games, only three points. I think at times he showed flashes, um, but... Um, there wasn't enough there, and you know maybe he overstayed his welcome in the NHL, got sent down to the Moose, and I didn't really see him fitting in, you know, r- at least right away um, next year. So good for him. I mean, for him, I mean, he's still pretty young. He's turning 23 on June 1st. So, you know, maybe you go for a year, and if he does have aspirations for the NHL, you can figure things out, get some confidence back, and, you know, come back over the ocean to Winnipeg. Yeah, as you said, the Jets can make him a qualifying offer to retain his rights, which I would think they would do. But as for now, not. I don't you think you can count him out of the team's immediate plans. And again, it, sometimes they don't work out. As you said, first round pick, 24th overall in 2017. I remember watching the highlights. Oh, thinking it was oh, a right-handed line A. even has line A in his last name. But you just didn't see uh, enough of those flashes from him. We were... We were salivating over Line A, what on the left side of the power play, play and Veselainen on the right side, but um, neither going to be with the Jets yeah. next season. <laughs> yeah, so that uh, moved on from that plan here on WST. Of course, Patrick Line a Columbus Blue Jacket, and now Christian Veselainen seemingly headed back to Sweden, signing with Malmo for next year. All right, so that's the latest on the Winnipeg Jets beat. Um, Remo, the other huge story that, you know, we'll talk to Jeff a little bit more later on was the news that the Canadian Football League and the CFLPA, they thought they had the deal. Well, apparently not. The CFLPA did not ratify the deal. And I mean, listen, I was sort of in shock yesterday that this happened, although credit to Dave Naylor, who joined us on Friday, said he wasn't entirely sure. He did not have the confidence that this was going to be ratified. I was stunned. Um, but that's where we are right now. Now, teams are practicing. Bombers are back out there today. Um, I know John Hodge from Three Down Nation reported that the CFL was tabling another offer to the players. Um, and it really does seem like this is a sticking point on the Canadian ratio that might be sort of pushed forth by the Canadian contingent. And it was interesting. We heard Nick Dembski uh, earlier didn't sound too pleased with the deal. Uh, of course, we had Jake Thomas on before the deal was done, and he was optimistic. Um, but you do wonder about the the split or the divide between the American players and the Canadian players. What's behind that? And bottom line, how they get this figured out, stat, so we're not losing any preseason games and business can continue as planned, which seems to be happening right now in the Canadian Football League. But if it doesn't get worked out, you've got the potential of a strike. You've got potential of the players being locked out by the CFL. It could get very, very messy. And it does seem like we're almost on the precipice of that, although hopefully things can be averted. Yeah, I'm not You know, I got a message from a listener who said, is there going to be a CFL season? I'm not going to go that far, but... This is a pretty important couple of days. They don't want to have to miss games and lose out on revenue. The Bombers are supposed to have a preseason game Friday. I would like to think 
that cooler heads can prevail and they can find a way to sit down and figure this out. There's way too much to lose here. So you don't want to have another canceled season. And I don't know too much of the minutia of the details. I know Jeff will speak to that later. Um, it was surprising to see. It seems to be a bit of a, you know, the disconnect between the U.S. players and the Canadian players. I think you, you have some issues there. But I don't know. I just feel like you can't. You got to figure out a way to sit down and hammer this out. You can't have a, a canceled season. So well, and, uh, and in a way, I mean, this is a direct shot at the guys that did the deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was agreed to by the representatives and the player reps from the CFLPA with the league, and then brought back to the players, and they voted it down. And I did see, and I, I forgive me for forgetting who quoted this, but it was somebody. I believe it was maybe it was one of the players involved that 30% of the league did not vote. So they got to figure this out and figure it out fast. I still am optimistic that we'll be in a situation where cooler heads can prevail and this can get figured out. Uh, but we will check in with Jeff Hamilton a little bit later on that topic as well as Trot's watch and what he's hearing from the Winnipeg Jets regarding their pursuit of Barry Trotz to be their next head coach. We'll also talk Stanley Cup playoffs with Pooley coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, but Reem, quickly... I do want to mention, we'll get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Went to the ice game on the weekend. Um, and, and this series has been wild. I mean, the ice are now down 2-1 to one after losing in overtime last night. Um, but this series has had a little bit of everything. Uh, the ice on Friday night, down 4-1, coming back to force OT. Daniel Hauser replaced by Gage Alexander. And then, listen, the 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 the... the Worst thing that can happen to a goal. You come in, play great, keep your team in the game, you get it to overtime, and then a self-inflicted mistake ends up in the back of the net. And that was the difference in the Oil Kings getting game number one. But credit to the ice came back. I was there on Saturday night. Just an awesome atmosphere, packed house, Saturday night, junior hockey, two amazing teams. And it was Mikey Milne, the hero, that um, propelled the, the uh, ice to uh, their first win of the series. Now, they're back in Edmonton for games three, four, and five. And last night, it was Zach Benson scoring with about four minutes left to put the ice up three to two. Unfortunately for the ice, though, the Oil Kings were able to tie it up late with the goalie pulled and then win it in overtime, beating Gage Alexander, who seemingly has taken over the number one spot in the crease for James Patrick. So two to one is the series right now. Wednesday night, tomorrow, game number four, Friday night, game number five, and then Sunday, 5 p.m., if necessary, and hopefully it will be necessary because the Ice need to win a game to get this series back to Winnipeg, will be game number six. And then, of course, game seven, if it gets to that point. If you have the opportunity, if this series does go to six games, come on out to the Ice Cave. Uh, two amazing teams, really the top two teams in Canada for the majority of the season. Um, so uh, I will be there. Hopefully there will be a game, and we'll see you out there for the ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings. All right, we're going to bring in Dave Poulin right now. Uh, just before we do that, big thanks to our friends at Aikens Lake. The season is off and running. A little bit of extra work to do to build a new dock with all the water out there in the white shell, uh, but they're ready to go. Limited availability for the rest of this year. It's their busiest year ever, but if you're looking for an unbelievable five-star fishing experience less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. Find out more at akinslake.com or uh, on, on uh, uh, or on Twitter, excuse me, at 
Aikens Lake. Um, our friends at Wallace & Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists serving residential and customer uh, commercial customers since 1946. Folks, if you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one, they've got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. Wallace & Wallace has the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. The experts from Wallace & Wallace will come out and give you a free estimate. So give them a call at 452-2700. Or you can pop down to their showroom at Lawson Road off Keniston or visit them online at wallacefences.com. And of course, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market continue to be the spot for great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. They've got delicious lunch options as well at the Grab and Go Deli with Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. Not to mention great healthy options for the barbecue, including lean bison steaks or chicken. And hey, if you can't make it into the store, visit their brand new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. And you can pop by and see them at one of seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. All right, lots of hockey to get to with our good friend Dave Poulin from the TSN Hockey Panel. Pooley, what's going on? How was your long weekend? Well, a little bit of work on my long weekend, Andrew. You know, I'm not quite relaxing time yet. In fact, I had a, uh, a buddy call and asked me if I made it to a cottage. Well, unfortunately, that would have included two hockey games, Sports Center, a couple of Gino Retta shows. And so, no, there was no cottage this weekend at all. But I still am intrigued with the Aikens Lake opening, and I, I, I think they filled the position, and I'm a little disappointed because it looks absolutely beautiful. And I would love to have joined you out there on the long run. We'd have to get you out there at some point later in the summer when you're not I'm quite as busy there. with the Stanley Cup playoffs. Hey, Dave, before we get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, listen, everyone here is on pins and needles as uh, we follow Trot's watch, as it's uh, known here in Winnipeg, about the future of Barry Trotz. I wanted to ask you about coaching searches overall. But first up, are you hearing anything about Barry? It does sound like there's plenty of teams that are interested in the Dolphin Natives' uh, services for next season as their head coach. As there should be, Andrew. He's an excellent coach. And the availability of a couple of, of people right now, I think the uniqueness of having, right now we have six openings. And as well, you know, there's two interim jobs that haven't been technically filled yet. One, just as of last night with Andrew Burnett, that's still the interim basis. And of course, nothing is confirmed yet with Martin San Louis. Now we all assume he's going back to Montreal, but the interim tag is still hanging on that one. But not only six, hang on a second, Cheryl Pounder's looking for me and she's not going to get me right now. So she's on our panel tonight. And, uh, <laughs> She's great. She's tremendous. She's doing a terrific job. She had the juniors on the weekend and the women on the weekend, and she's just done a great job. But um, uh, I think it's the it's the uniqueness of the jobs opened right now and of the quality of candidates available. And you have six openings. Besides the two interim spots I chatted about, you have six openings right now. And openings that, you know, not too long you would have said, now, oh, wait a second, Vegas, Chicago, Winnipeg, Philadelphia, who am I missing here? Dallas? Yeah, Detroit. Detroit are all going to be open right now. And so you don't know, you know, Lou Lamarello acts right away and he fills it with Lane Lambert, who I think is an excellent choice. 
and was always on my short list in my top left drawer. And I, I always kept a list. When I was a scout, I kept a list. And when I was in the management business, I kept a list. Because if I saw someone that intrigued me in the American League, as both Lane Lambert and Dean Evason did, I'd put them on my list. And when I had a job to fill in the American League, uh, when I was you know, running the Toronto Marlies, I went to that list and I, and I reached out to a number of people that had just simply intrigued me by watching them. And I always watch a bench to see what's going on. I always sit across from it and always watch it. But right now, you know, you've still got, now you've got names like Barry Trotz and you know, Peter DeBoer and, and Mike Babcock's still out there somewhere, Andrew. And, and, you know, you've got all these guys, but you've got excellent guys who've been head coaches. And, and a name I heard recently, you know, tied to Winnipeg is Scotty Arneal, who I played with in Boston and, and think very highly of. And so maybe they get an opportunity at some point. The fit isn't exactly right. They move back into an associate or an assistant coach's role. And, and they excel in that again and maybe are more ready the second time around. And I think of when I think of more ready the second time around, I think of Bruce Cassidy, you know, who had an opportunity in Washington at a very young age, went back to the American League, ground through it again, and his second time around in Boston has been terrific. And so I really, with so many candidates available, and now you're wondering why the waiting are they waiting for someone else they might think might be available after the second round? You know, if something happens through these, through these two rounds, um, are conversations going to be had with maybe an associate or an assistant who's still involved in playing right now on one of the teams and they might have to wait till they're done. So a lot of moving parts on both sides, the, you know, and, and also the veteran nature of the GMs who are, who are conducting these searches, Jimmy Neal and Kevin Sheveldayoff and, Stevie Eiserman, and, and you know, you've got some guys conducting, but you've also got some young guys like Kyle Davidson in Chicago conducting the searches. So, boy, there's a lot of factors that go into this, Andrew. It's not as simple as, oh, there's a job opening, there's a candidate, let's fill it. Well, and, and, and let's, because one of the things that, you know, our colleague Pierre Lebrun reported was that, I mean, we know people are going to have fat checks for Barry Trotz. I mean, he's going to be getting paid and he'll be paid well wherever he goes. I mean, that the market will dictate that. But one of the things Pierre has reported, and we're going to talk to Jeff about Jeff Hamilton about this a little later on, is that Barry Trotz has indicated to teams that he would like to have a path into management. And it does seem, you know, when you compare the other spots, that Winnipeg maybe has a unique opportunity in that respect that maybe doesn't exist in some of the other places. But let me put this to you, Pooley, because I mean you've been on, you know, in the in the hockey operations front office side of things and have gone through hiring coaches. What normally happens? Like what's normally involved in the coaching interview process? And how might it be different for a guy like Barry Trotz with half the league interested in getting his services? And and that is a great question. I've been on the other side of it. I've been on both sides, but I've been on a side interviewing for jobs. I've also been on the side in a very unique way, Andrew, of interviewing for jobs when I really didn't want another job. And, and you know, when I was the head coach at Notre Dame, I had some, some rather remarkable opportunities to leave the college game and go into the pro ranks. And I went through the process at the encouragement of my agent, and, and it was as much to know fully that I wanted to stay where I was. I thought I did, but, but he said, but you got to be sure. If you're that sure you're going to stay at Notre Dame, and I did stay for 10 years, 
then be sure of it. And a lot of these opportunities came early in my tenure there in the second and third and fourth years, you know, when I was a rising coach and, and, you know, and, and things were going well and it was, it was whether I wanted to go to the pro game, but I think from a, from a standpoint of how the interview process goes, it depends on how well, you know, the person involved. I mean, a couple I was involved with um, when I was asked to interview for a job were people I knew really well. Well, that changes the texture of an interview. If you know somebody really well, um, the first hour isn't going to be background. And I mean, they know your kids, they know your situation, they know everything about you. It's not going to be, you know, those things are going to be eliminated. But, you know, in some instances, you don't know the person personally, and you don't know exactly what that may entail in terms of, you know, what the depth of the job is, what it's going to involve. But I think the part about Barry wanting to get into management is very intriguing. You know, there was a day when there was the title called coach and general manager. It's hard to believe now that a guy did both those jobs, like a Pat Quinn, because of how much is involved and the depth of what's involved in each job. But I think a communication, it could be as simple as the communication with the general manager to ensure that you have an input into who is brought in because you're going to be the one that coaches them. And I think that issue in itself is really key in terms of, of knowing that that communication level is going to be there the entire time. So I think that factor really does work towards, you know, where Barry may be in this process. If you do have Barry on speed dial, send him a text, let him know it's time to come home, Dave. It would make a lot of people very, very happy here in Manitoba. I was the one that was selling Dauphin as a suburb. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you can have the whole damn province if he comes the back. It'll be game, Barry. Trot's it's territory the here, the province of Manitoba. Um, if we can but get you it know, done. Yeah, Andrew, to your point, a lot of those factors do go in. It's, it's a family decision in a lot of ways. Like, you know, part of me and why I stayed at Notre Dame as long as I did was I wanted my kids to get through high school and I wanted them to get right through in one city. I didn't want them to have to move. So how do those factors weigh in depending on where a coach is in his own family and life? And, and you know, because so much burden is put on the family and having to move and all those different things. Hey, it's a factor in that for sure. No doubt about it. Dave Poulin's with us from TSN Hockey. Let's get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And Tommy Gazzola is going to join wow. us from Edmonton a little later on. Handsome Tommy wow. on the talk battle of Alberta. I, I I was scared for the Oilers and just for hockey fans after game number one and what a disaster that was defensively for them. Um, I was worried that we might not get, you know, to game six. What an absolute turnaround. And listen, it's all in the back of number 97. I mean, we're spoiled. We get used to the greatness of this player, Dave. But um, listen, what he's done so far in these Stanley Cup playoffs, and in particular these last two games, has left absolutely no debate as to who the best player in the world putting on skates is. I mean, uh, how many times have you and the gang's jaw dropped when you watch what 97's had for the Flames these last couple of games? It's been brilliant. It's been really brilliant. You know, even breaking down the goals there, I went deep into the four goals from the last game and all rush goals, and how he impacted each goal. And the, the one goal he doesn't have a point on was a turnover and a line change. But when Oliver Shillington is getting back in the play, he literally turns and shoulder checks to see where McDavid is on the ice. 
and that leads to the goal. So he, and the one he doesn't get the point in, he may have had the biggest impact on because Shillington let Kane go worried about where McDavid was on the ice. And not only is he playing brilliantly, he's deep in their buckets right now, Andrew. Oh. He is deep, deep in the mines. Now you're talking to a guy who went head-to-head with number 99 in both 85 and 87 in the cup finals and then had the pleasure of seeing 66 in 92 and 93 in the con- or 91 and 92 in the conference finals when I was in Boston we lost to Pittsburgh both times in the final four so i have seen the best when they are the best and and the one ingredient so if i'm going to say he's the best right now the one ingredient that arguably separates him from those two is the speed at which he's doing things at. Unprecedented. I think everybody's in agreement that the game is faster today than it was. It's different, but it's faster. And he's the fastest of the faster, if I'm using all my my English correctly. We're following you. (laughs) And just, it's amazing to watch, but they have to eliminate that. One guy's not going to shut him down, period. End of conversation. And I, and I used to laugh when people say, oh, you did a really good job on, on you know, Mario tonight. And I'd say, yeah, and there were four other guys out in the ice when I was out there, you know, and, and another whole bunch on the bench that were all doing every bit as much. We also had the luxury of having Ronnie Sutter and myself. So it could be a different look, right shot, left shot, different styles of games. Ronnie was a little more in your face than I was. I played off a little bit, challenged them on angles. So they've got to really... Pay attention to him, but not be consumed with him. And what's happening now is the lanes are opening up around him because people are so consumed with him. And if that's the case, that's where Vander Kane benefits. Who can keep up on the play and can finish? And where Dreisaitl is always the first option to get the puck can continue. But I think this is still a series, Andrew. And, and you guys are probably marveling in Winnipeg saying, well, is this the team that we swept last year in the playoffs, really? Like, seriously? And, and thankfully, that didn't happen with 97 last year in the playoffs. But he's different right now. He's more physical. He's more engaged. Um, and I think that's his burning desire to win because he's done everything else in the game. But, you know, it's funny you bring up Wayne and Mario. I've also, oh, you know, we have all these conversations, whether it be on the shows or over a bar top with friends talking the game. And listen, I, I think Wayne Gretzky is the greatest career in NHL history. I mean, the body of work from start to finish, the records, Wayne number one for career. I've always maintained, though, that Mario Lemieux, in my opinion, played the game at the at his best. He played the game at the highest level that we've ever seen on an individual basis. Um, what we're seeing from Connor McDavid right now is in like the, the brilliance that he's putting out game in and game out on an individual level and what he's able to do. Um, he might be the new number one on this list as the game and the players overall have improved. Like, let me ask you this. If you took today's McDavid and plunked him on one of those rosters in the late eighties with the style of the game that he played at his speed, how many points would he have put up in a season, Dave? But I think that's relative because because our yeah. question would have been, how do we slow them down? And we had maybe different methods than they have right now. Yes, I was just about <laughs> to say. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, 
Think of what you know, Mario I, went through each and every game. Uh, I mean, the hacking and it, whacking, the 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 um, wait, bumper shining, six and two hundred and thirty pounds or whatever his numbers were. I mean, that's a big dude, and you know, and and so I have so much respect for the best of each generation. Um, the guys that played against both Bobby Orr and Gratz, and you know, sort of, the, there's a certain age that would have played against both when they were both. Maybe not Gretz totally in his prime, because what was his prime it lasted a lot longer than most, but more in his healthy prime and then Gretz. And, and they'll say that, that Orr was different. And why was he different? Because he changed the speed of the game from the defense position. And, and so that's what I'm saying about Connor right now is he's changing the speed of the game for elite playing. And it's just faster. It's faster all around. And the, the, the coordination of the hands, the feet, and the head, boy, oh, boy. I mean, I'd be tripping going up the stairs. And, you know, he's doing it, you know, amidst being checked and challenged every, every turn of the way. I can't wait for this game tonight. I mean, I think we'll see a really desperate, urgent Calgary Flames team. And, uh, you know, for someone that just hopes we get a nice, long, fun series, uh, uh, a win and 2-2 going back to Calgary to guarantee a game six. And I think give us a very good chance of seven is exactly what hockey fans need. Um, what a turnaround in the St. Louis, Colorado series. I thought St. Louis played, you know, a brilliant game in game two to get home ice and bring back and uh, bring it back to, to home ice. Listen, the incident on Saturday was very unfortunate for Jordan Bennington. I mean, he's one of the biggest head cases in the league, and we saw him tossing the water ball at Kadri afterwards. And it is sort of amazing that because of some lowlifes on Twitter and uh, social media with some of the things that have been put at Kadri and his family, that Kadri all of a sudden is now the sympathetic figure in all of this, Dave. But I will say this. As far as on the ice, the way that he performed last night with an entire team out to get him, uh, an entire building screaming nothing but very, very um, unple unpleasant things at him, the hat trick and the way that he played and shut out the noise, shut out what was happening was, um, well, let's just say this, a huge, huge step forward for Kadri, whose playoff history has usually been marred by making bad decisions that cost his team. Um, he put his team on his back last night with that hat trick and the, the big win. What did you make of what happened on Saturday and the way the Avalanche and particularly Nazem Kadri fought through it? Well, let's start backwards with with the reaction of some of the fans and social. Absolutely unacceptable. Idiots. In every single way possible. Like totally, totally unacceptable. There's no place for it. No place for it in society. There's no place for it in sport. Um, it's it's. I mean, for for the majority, the high majority, and we will put all of us in the high majority. It's unfathomable and and unfortunate that that the year attached to it is 2022. These people are not okay. I mean, let's just face no, it. Not. I mean, if you're if no, you're reaching not. out and I mean, period. Never mind getting into the disgusting racist stuff that's in there. I mean, if you're reaching out to family members of a professional athlete. You need a long look in the mirror. I mean, as we said before, these people are not okay. Um, yeah, but very, it is important to call it out. It's important to call it out. It's important to uh, to show it. Um, and it's important to, to you know, to take that stand against it because it has no place anywhere, um, but especially in a game that is supposed to bring people together. It's a minuscule minority, minority for sure. And we have to, 
I guess we have to stress that, that it is, you know, a handful of unfortunately very too loud people. And, and it, it's, it's got no place. So let's start there. Um, the play of NASM, um, I know NASM well, Andrew. I, 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 you know, and I dealt with him in the very early stages of a very young and I don't know where I would go with this entertaining. Like I sat in on his first suspension call. I have the privilege of doing that. And prepping with them, waiting for the first suspension call, which was uh, on Backstrom, the goaltender in Minnesota, who he'd accidentally run over. And so I've seen the contrite Nazem Kadri. I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of different Nazem Kadri's. Also seen the growth of the player. I mean, he's he's a top player now in the league, and able to put a lot of distractions out of the way in that case. And St. Louis, I thought was more in tune with themselves than what was displayed last night. And they were completely unhinged, Dave. They lost it and they did. And and when the game was still very winnable and then all of a sudden it was four, three and very winnable. And, and I don't think this series is over even despite the outcome of last night. I don't, um, I think there's still more hockey to play. And, and I still think St. Louis is built the way now. As crazy as it sounds, I'm not sure they have the goaltending now. And they have the goaltending because of the play that we're talking about. And did, did Nazem Kadri know what he was doing when, when that happened? I believe, he, I believe he did. I mean, I believe he knew he was crashed into Bennington. And, and I do. I mean, I just, you know, you talk about control, and he said that the defenseman affected him. Well, the defenseman was a little bit behind him on the play. He wasn't ahead of him, um, or ahead of him, rather. He wasn't behind him and able to push him in. And, you know, and so really unfortunate that Bennington got hurt because he was, he was at the top of this game. And he was a big part, I think, of the makeup of St. Louis's swagger in their cup run. He definitely was. And I think in this resurgence, you know, taking over in the fourth game from Billy Hughes, so he was part of the swagger again. And, and that swagger not only left, but so did the focus and the attention to detail that St. Louis has been able to play when they're at their best. I, I do think, as I said, I think there's still a lot of hockey to play in this series. And, um, and Cadby will continue to be a focal point because he's a really good player and he's playing really well, but all the other stuff, man, oh man, eliminate that from your head. What's behind is behind go forward, play hockey against them and, and, and find a way to beat them. I mean, listen, we know that at some point there'll be some sort of retribution, but I mean, you can't be focusing on that yep. in game four on home ice of a series that you're down two one in. And um, you're right. They got unhinged and uh, it cost them and we'll see how much hockey left. I mean, it could be 60 minutes. I mean, if the blues can't do it again and win in Colorado, um, the abs will be waiting for the winner of the, uh, of the battle of Alberta. And hopefully that battle of Alberta does go the distance because the battle of Florida was an absolute dud. Dave, the highest scoring yeah. team in the, in the national hockey league gets completely snuffed out by the two time defending champs and Andre Vasilevsky. What happened to the Panthers? Not quite ready. Not quite ready. And, you know, Andrew, when I get into it, um, I picked Tampa to go through the East. I mean, I, I think you, you're you well aware of that. And, you know, down to the way they perform, the way they operate. I mean, they're, they're the best right now. I just think they are. Everybody's talking about how tired they are. And then 
Now they're going to be even more dangerous. And if there's a team that can afford and understands eight days off or whatever they're going to get now, it's them. And they're going to get it. And how dangerous that will be knowing. So going into that first series, I think it's like they knew they were playing a really good team in Toronto. Would they have been ashamed or embarrassed to lose to the Toronto Maple Leafs in seven games? I don't think there would have been shame or embarrassment attached. But the pride carried them through that series. They got better as the series went. Then they got through and they thought, okay, well, we just beat the team that, you know, one of the best teams. And now we're going to face, so were there two of the top five teams or two of the top four yeah. teams? And we're going to face them. If we get through them, we become cup favorites and we only have two series to win. And the goal at the end of the game two, the Ross Colton goal from Kucherov, I think catapulted, vaulted, you know, exploded them into the into the next two games like, Nothing else is possible. Now they've won two games on the road. They're coming home and they're saying, we're the team to beat, not Florida. We're the team to beat. It starts in that, but their defense is so good and so big and so physical. I think from a playoff performance standpoint over the last couple of years, if you were choosing the most underrated player in the playoffs, it'd be Ryan McDonough. McDonough. I just think McDonough's been great. Such a horse. Let, let, let me throw out a guy up front for Tampa as well that just you notice him more and more, especially in these big games, is and that no one talks about, is uh, Sorelli. Well, Sorelli complimented by, you know, you, I'll see your Sorelli and I'll raise your platinum Kalorn. <laughs> and it's like, come on. Now, I think part of it is, is their longevity. Their longevity together, Sorelli being the newest of them, the ingredients he brings. They're playing without Braden Point, Andrew. They're playing without one of the best players in the league right uh, no now. No problem. No, blink. Oh, let's throw Nick Paul in there. You know, all six foot five of him, and uh, and he's been great. But I, I look at their, their longevity of their group. You know, Alex Klorn, 2007 draft pick by Tampa Bay, which I've said far too many times. People are like, wait a second, he was drafted in 2007? That's the longest standing member of the organization. And each year, oh, oh, next year we'll add a Steven Stamkos. The following year we'll add a Victor Hedman. We'll throw a Sergeyev in there um, by way of trade with our third pick overall in Jonathan Duran that didn't turn out. And then we'll grab a late Kucherov and a later Braden Point. And, uh, oh, Vasilevsky, late first round. Yeah, we're going to take him too. And just really well constructed. And not to digress, but cast an eye to one side and watch what that same general manager is doing now in Detroit with his big goalie and Costa and his defenseman and Edmondson and Sider and, and, and Lucas Raymond up front. And, you know, there's a formula that was in place once and it worked and is still working. And there's another one happening right now in, in motor city. Hey Dave, just before we go, and uh, you know, I, I think people have maybe haven't paid as much attention to this series as uh, the others, but Carolina and the Rangers. Carolina is perfect at home, and they're winless on the road. Um, does this one get tied up tonight by the Rangers? Uh, what, what, what do you think uh, we've got in store for us in the uh, series in the East that is still going on? I think Carolina steps back tonight and makes it 3-1. I think they win their first game on the road. And that's part of the maturing of a – I say a young. I know they've been there. They've been you know through some rounds in the past, but this exact group hasn't. And, uh, and and I think they do get it done against the Rangers tonight. Uh, I, I like the way they've played. They're capable of winning different types of games. 
I like their depth. I like their defense as well. Um, I do think they get it done against the Rangers tonight. Dave, great chat as always. Thanks so much for the time. Keep up the great work with the boys on the panel, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the tube and having you back on the show real soon. Thanks, Andrew. Enjoy the hockey. Appreciate it. There it is. Our guy, Dave Poulin of TSN's Hockey Panel, doing a great job with Gino and the gang. Night in and night out, and even taking out the May long weekend to provide great hockey analysts, uh, analysis for uh, for all of us. Great stuff with uh, Dave. Well, we're going to get to more Barry Trotz talk, CFL, CFLPA with Jeff Hamilton coming up right now. Uh, but hey, a big cheers to our friends over at Culligan Water, the water experts. I know my folks were out uh, uh, going to the lake this weekend. They got the water for the summer, drove in there, good to go. Um, and you can do that as well. I mean, uh, plan ahead, whether it's for the home, the cottage, or the business. Culligan has you have you covered, and they've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. 1200 Sergeant Avenue, and visit them online at drinkculligan.com. Hey, the gang at Manitoba Battery is ready for summer. They've got expanded hours right now until 8 p.m. weekdays. So you can pop at Manitoba Battery, get everything you need outside of your work hours to leave you more time to have fun on the weekends. And uh, bottom line is you're going to be able to shop local and save big over the big box stores like Canadian Tire and Costco with the best prices in town of batteries of all sizes, makes, and models for whatever you need. So save time, save money, and shop local. Manitoba Battery, they're at 1026 Logan Avenue. You 783-8787. Give them a call. They'll have everything ready for you to pick up quick and easy with extended hours open till 8 p.m. And of course, you can check them out online at manitobabattery.com. And the gang at Royal Sports is ready for summer as well. The expanded soccer section, a very busy spot right now. Obviously, soccer fans can pop in for the best selection of jerseys from around the world as well. But it's not just soccer right now. It's soccer, baseball, an expanded fitness center, and bikes coming in by the week, expanding the uh, back of the spot, which is now basically taken over by all of the bike stock. So whatever you need, Royal Sports has you covered. Pop down and see them at 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, you can follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sales. All right, let's get Jeff Hamilton in here because we have a lot to discuss today. Uh, Hammer, I was going to say how your weekend was, but I imagine between what was happening on the Jets beat and with the Canadian Football League and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, um, you were probably quite busy as opposed to just chilling around and turning the brain off for three days. Yeah, uh, the joys of covering multiple leagues um, came into play this weekend. I'm doing other stuff too that you know work related that <clears throat> added to it. So it was it was a bit of a hectic weekend. Um, it was nice to be outside on some of those days, uh, you know. But you know, it, it's just a wild weekend, man. It's the wild time in sports, and um, you know when you when you have opportunity to, to share stories or information and people want it it becomes an even busier weekend but overall an awesome weekend of, you know no doubt it's nice outside perfect for training camp we'll get to training camp we'll get to the cfl situation in a minute but let's mm -hmm. start off with uh your take on trot's watch of course you know we mentioned earlier on there was a uh you know a report of a tweet from a local uh jet site that said barry trots was being hired and it was happening today kind of said that this was either pathetic trolling, this was either a group that was maybe getting played by someone uh, with some incorrect information, or 
Maybe they're right, and it's just taking a little bit longer. I don't know what the story is. You definitely did a lot of digging because everyone was asking, what can you tell us about the latest on Barry Trotz and where the Winnipeg Jets stand? Yeah, well, first off, I saw those reports too, and I was like, whoa. I mean, to me, because of the chats I'd been having for for days and in some cases, you know, weeks, I was kind of like, oh, wow, that's – they beat me on that? I, and, and not that it was, you know, I just felt like it was a, a possibility. The timeline made sense because of what I was hearing. So I just kind of felt, you know, okay, I've, I've heard enough uh, from enough people close enough to the situation, close enough to, to Trotz's camp that, you know, let's put out what I'm hearing. And so what I was, you know, I, I had a bit of a t- Twitter feed and, and had a paper and a story in the paper uh, today. Uh, Twitter thread that is sorry um, about what I'm hearing and what I'm hearing is is ultimately you know a couple different things you know some of the stuff isn't far out there for instance you know True North has put together you know whether they called an advisory committee or just you know a group of people to to find the next head coach um, which is kind of what any good organization would do uh, and does I imagine when it when it comes to finding a new leader but um you know what's interesting about it is understanding where you know True North fits in the mix, and I and I heard, and I heard you kind of talking about that with Dave, uh, you know, prior to me coming on here, and you know, I think the big thing for for True North right now, and and, and what they're getting advised is that they are in rare company. You know, they might not be able to offer palm trees. Uh, they might not be able to offer you know you know, big amenities that bigger cities have. Um, but what they can offer and what I, you know, what I'm under, what I understand Barry Trotz is coveting is, you know, whether you want to call it job security, whether you want to call it, uh, you know, potential to move up the, the, the corporate ladder. Um, but, you know, he's interested in becoming, you know, maybe doing it, becoming a general manager one day. And so if you look at some of the potential suitors out there, whether it's, you know, Philadelphia, whether it's, you know, Vegas, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Dallas, you know, not a lot of opportunity to move in uh, to a, to a general general manager position. Now, I'm not suggesting that Barry Trotz is coming in and banging down the doors and going, "I, I want Kevin Cheveldayoff's job." Um, but I w- what I would suggest is that you know the Jets can do a little bit. True North can do a little bit of moving around potentially in the future. Whether Kevin Cheveldayoff wants to become you know president of football, football, president of hockey operations or whatever title he could have, whether he'll be with the team. I mean, lots of different possibilities we don't need to get into, but the the Winnipeg Jets do offer, you know, Barry Trotz, at least their organization, the way they're set up, an opportunity to grow within the team. You know, I, the way I describe it is a bit of a long-term solution, right? All these other teams are looking for Barry Trotz, uh, you know, skill set as a head coach right now to push for a Stanley Cup to get their team back on track. Now, obviously, the Winnipeg Jets are looking for that as well. Um, but I think that's it's the added part. It's the potential of climbing that corporate ladder to getting opportunities in management um, and settling in a home. And, I, you know, another thing I mentioned, too, uh, as far as Barry Trotz's priorities list is, you know, a, a good community um and city for his family um you know he has his youngest son nolan has down syndrome you know he's a big part of of uh, of the family's lives obviously and 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 him feeling comfortable uh is is a big piece of the puzzle for barry trotz it was it, it was that case when he went to washington um you know i imagine it was a big part of of his decision to go you know to new york um and one thing i will say about true north is that, you know, we don't hear a lot about it, but I think they really do have um, a talent, if you will, to put together packages that fit for coaches. I know, you know, Jamie Compton, for instance, you know, 
people may know, you know, his wife is battling some health health issues. You know, the Jets, that was a big thing for him. And I mean, I heard him speak at a at a you know a dinner one evening, um, just how well True North, uh, you know, made him feel. And and I don't, he never used the word package or anything like that for him to come here. But you know, the lengths in which they went to accommodate, um, you know, what he and his family needed. So I feel like the Jets have that experience. Um, there's also the you know the sense that Barry Trotz wants to find a home where he's not going to be dumped in three years. You know, I mean, that's the life of an NHL hockey coach um, to kind of have to pick up and do something else. Um, isn't always ideal for for guys his age as he gets into his 60s here. So you know, I think there is there just is that potential. And what I'm what I'm hearing and what I've reported was, you know, the the advisory group has kind of you know advised you know Mark Chipman and Kevin Shoveldayoff off that you know not push in the sense of you know give Barry Trotz an ultimatum, but show him that you're for you know not just that you're for real, but show him that this is you know where we want you to be. This is where we want you to be long term. And let and, and kind of get an answer from, him or try to get an answer from him sooner and later, because you know as much as he is at the top of their priority list, they also need to think of other options down the stretch here, and they are in competition for other talents um, with teams across the league. So you know there's a bit of that assurance of wanting to know where his head's at. So I believe that they reached out to him either Sunday or yesterday um, with an offer and and with, with something you know just again to get you know a better gauge of. Of, of how things are going. I do know the meeting last week between the two went well. You know, I think there was some added pitching to, you know, maybe his wife and, and some, you know, some other parts of it that I think, you know, went, went, went across well. Um, and ultimately, you know, we know that Mark Chipman can, you know, can definitely, uh, you know, talk his way, not talk his way in a negative way, but we know he can offer and provide, um, you know, a lot of comfort for, for people coming in. So that's, that's kind of where it stands now. And, and, and I think it puts a little bit, again, whether it's the intention or not, puts a little bit of pressure on Barry Trotz that, you know, he comes across to me as a guy that if he, if he wants something, he's not going to waste other people's time. So I think the Jets, you know, you know, I think what their plan is to give him what he wants to show him that he's, you know, wanted here and, and the potential here and then have him think it over before he starts going through meetings. You know, I don't you know, it's just good business to not have him sit down in Philadelphia or sit down in, uh, you know, another city that um, and, and get wooed, whether that be Vegas. Right. We all know his his relationship with Kelly McCrimmon and and how, how far that goes back as being Manitobans and or, you know, having a you know big piece of the puzzle in, in Manitoba hockey. So, um, yeah, to me, that's that's kind of where it stands. I mean, I, I did report on, on other potential, uh, you know, coaches that the Jets be looking for, which I thought was a lot of interest. A lot of the names we've been hearing, like the Scott O'Neill's, um, you know, I, I, the, the people I've talked to haven't mentioned Ale Vigneault or, uh, or Randy Carlisle, but, you know, the, they, they've been reported. The names that I'm, that I'm hearing are, are, as I said, Scott Arneal, uh, and this is in no particular order, Claude Julian, who I will, will add is, is out coaching, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Adam Lowry at the World Championships in, in Finland. Um, Derek Lalonde, who's, who's, been with, uh, who's been with Tampa Bay for years and is, is kind of John Cooper's right-hand man. Kirk Muller, who's with Calgary, we've heard a ton of, you know, a ton of uh, comparables uh, between the Flames and the Winnipeg Jets that under the right guidance, under the right, you know, head coach, uh, the Jets can do exactly what Calgary did, and that's turn things around in, in a season. Um, I'm hearing, you know, I mentioned on your show before, uh, Pascal Vincent, you know, is gaining steam. He, he's an interesting guy because, you know, he'd have to be a head coach hire. Um, because he's an associate coach at Columbus, I'm not sure he'd be allowed to entertain a, an assistant coach job or, or an associate coach position 
um, in Winnipeg, uh, nor, you know, unless he was, you know, unless Columbus uh, wanted him or, or, or sorry, wanted him, uh, gave him permission to do so. Um, but I'm hearing great things uh, from people in Columbus about what he's done. So I don't know if that's necessarily an opportunity. And then Spencer Carberry, um, he's a guy who's an assistant coach with Toronto. He's in charge of their power play, their lethal power play, mind you. Um, and so he's another name. And, you know, I, you know, these are just, these are really, you know, if you think about it, it's a great list. Now, head coaching positions and filling them are, are extremely fluid. Um, you know, one guy who may be on the radar might be off, uh, you know, in one phone conversation, another guy can certainly be added to the list. So by no means is this a, an end all be all list, but these are the names that, uh, that I'm hearing. And, and, you know, another part of, of my report was a, a Rick bonus. His name has been tossed out there, not just with the jets, but in general, um, as a, as an assistant coach, the feeling is he's not going to be a head coach again, um, in, in the NHL. I, I don't, I, I, uh, from what I'm hearing from his camp is he wants to coach. I think he's fine with being an assistant coach. I think he's comfortable with it. It's just a matter of, you know, whether he'd be comfortable in, in returning to Winnipeg, um, and getting that opportunity and helping, you know, helping kind of, um, groom, if you will, the next, the next guy, especially if you consider Barry Trotz. Now, Part of that is a little bit confusing. There's so many moving parts that, you know, usually a head coach comes in and, and decides his staff. I imagine if Barry Trotz gets the or accepts the job, um, he'll decide who who is going to be on the bench with him. But I imagine there, you know, if he is looking to get into a management position, which clearly he is, um, I think there is a little bit of talk to, okay, well, who's the up and comer? Who's the guy that's going to fill your shoes? I don't think they'd want to go with an outside hire uh, in that situation. So lots of moving pieces, lots of, uh, you know, interest. But to me, one of the biggest takeaways is just, you know, having Barry Trotz. I think he likes Winnipeg and I think he's strongly, strongly considering it. Um, and I think it might take a lot uh, from another team. Like, you know, when I first heard that Barry Trotz was interviewing with Winnipeg, the thought was, well, is he leveraging money? You know, is, is, is was it, were the Jets going to throw a bag of cash at him and then he was going to go to to Vegas or Philly, whoever, whoever uh, he would interview with and go, well, this is what Winnipeg's looking to pay me. You know, can you match it or go higher? Now I think it's, you know, maybe he's leveraging it being like, this is my, and again, this is, I have no, no, uh, you know, no intel on this, no word about that. But it would be interesting to see if he could leverage the, you know, the management aspect of it somewhere else. But again, I, I really, I really think that's a tough sell for other markets. And, um, you know, as much as Winnipeg might be viewed by some as as not an ideal destination, all things considered, with not only what Barry Trotz wants, but where he's from, being a you know a Dauphin, Manitoba native, and, and and his father still being here, and him getting up there in age, it's starting to feel like a, a real possibility that Barry Trotz could be with this team. Well, um, let me ask you this, and I'm not sure whether you know this, but um, has another meeting taken place? D does he have the offer, if you will, from the Winnipeg Jets and is mulling it over right now? I mean, what do we know about where things are at? And, you know, wh what's a realistic timeline for the Winnipeg Jets to complete their best pitch and get an answer one way or the other? Yeah, so I, I'm led to believe that. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they went, they wanted to contact him either on Sunday or Monday. I'm told that they did have a, you know, I don't think it was an in-person meeting. I don't know where Barry Trotz is, but I, I, I do believe they, they would have touched base. I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't use that opportunity to give him, uh, you know, a contract. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of people. Um, you know, people I've talked to, are, you know, when, when, as far as it comes to a deadline, it's Thursday. Um, now, Thursday being, you know, I think the next time he's going to interview with a team, I'm not sure who he's got lined up for Thursday. But um, I think, again, like I think the ultimate goal here is to give him, you know, an offer he can't refuse or has to think incredibly hard at. 
um, and convince him before he sits down with another team. So, you know, I, you know, I, I don't think we're looking at anything today. Um, I'm not sure we're looking at anything tomorrow, but as the days creep on here, you know, I do think, I do think we could get some movement. Um, that being said, if, if, if nothing's, you know, nothing's discussed or nothing's, um, you know, uh, Nothing. No news is broken on on for on Thursday that he you know he's taken a job with the Winnipeg Jets. I don't think that means that he's he doesn't he isn't considering it still. I just think it's you know he's moving along with his process and at least at the very least doing himself justice by by hearing other teams out you know and so. Um, but again, I, I do think in the next couple of days there could be you know I'm not guaranteeing anything or suggesting that it's going to be a yes or no come Thursday. But if you if you look at the reports on where he's going to be you know where he's where he's going to be interviewing for jobs and the interest he's garnering, um, you know you have to think that you know that that's at least a good idea to find out if he's all in with Winnipeg or or just considering them as one of the options. Jeff Hamilton, the Winnipeg Free Press, with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hey, what do we know about the uh, advisory committee? How big is it? Are there people from outside the organization as well, or is it all internal, all hands on deck? Yeah, so I don't know a ton of names. Obviously, you know, Mark Chipman would be on it. Uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff would be on it. I imagine some of their, you know, obviously, you know, members within them. I think there's a lot of, you know, people they employ, scouts, uh, you know, people just smart hockey minds. Like Mark Chipman is a very in tune uh, you know, uh, guy in the NHL. Like, I mean, he's, you know, this, this is somebody who may very well, you know, chair the NHL board of governors one day. Um, so, you know, he's very connected and he has very, you know, a lot of hockey people that he trusts. I don't have specific on, on who it, who's on the committee. Um, but I do imagine just with, from the people I'm talking to, they have advisors who have been in, who aren't necessarily every day, you know, I imagine again that it would be people who are in house who work w- with them every week. But I, I imagine there's a couple other people that are are brought on as as, as advisors, um, you know, to to bring in their intel and information uh, on different on on different you know prospects, be, not just Barry Trotz, um, but but other people as well. So I, I don't know exactly who's on that list. Just that there's just that there's a you know an advisory board that would be putting you know advising Mark Chipman um, and the powers that be on 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 how to act. Uh, one other little bit of jet news that Remus and I talked about earlier on, but uh, looks like Christian Veselainen is Gonzo signing for next year in the Swedish league. Uh, we'll still find out whether the Jets qualify him to retain his rights. Um, I can't say that this was too surprising. He had a great opportunity this year. It didn't go well for him. And, uh, you know, maybe going back to Europe is the best uh, spot for Veselainen. Although um doesn't really help the Jets depth wise when it comes to the organization for sure. Any thoughts on Ves? Yeah, you know, I, I obviously saw, you know, the, you know, the comments, it, it seemed like, you know, whether, you know, like, there was it seemed like there was debate as far as, you know, whether he got enough opportunity um, to show his skills, you know, obviously, if no fan base is going to be happy when, you know, a, a first round, no matter where they, where they were selected in that round, um, you know, doesn't ultimately pan out. I mean, personally, I felt, I felt that, uh, you know, Christian Veselin had enough opportunity, you know, or at least, you know, for sure, I don't know if it was this season or, or last season. It's they they blur together. Um, this past season or the season before, but you know, he he really did get an opportunity. You know, particularly in this season at a training camp, like oh, they yeah. wanted him to be a trigger guy. They wanted you know they put him in an opportunity to you know to um, you know show off that 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 shot that he has, and it just never panned out. You know, and whether you want to argue. You know, he should have logged more, you know, top six minutes that, you know, you hold, you know, you, you give guys, you know, like him a leash. Well, not really, 
when you have a team like the Winnipeg Jets and you're as gifted as you are offensively. And I would argue that he did get some of that opportunity. Clearly, he's not a guy um, that became, you know, one of those third third uh, line pieces, you know, alongside Adam Lowry. And, 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 you know, like we've seen so many guys do, you know, jump up to the top six. But, um, you know, it is a bit of a shame, I mean, not just for, for the Winnipeg Jets, but for him too, that, that things didn't exactly work out at the NHL level. He's not old, so who knows what the future has in store here. But you have to think that his, uh, his time in Winnipeg is, is over. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, 53 games, two goals, one assist. I mean, certainly was in the lineup. And we can talk about how yeah. much those lines played and whatnot. But I mean, listen, if you're playing with Adam Lowry, you're getting significant minutes. And they were looking for someone to you know, provide a physical element to that line and produce. And it didn't happen. And I think many people thought that, I mean, certainly if you compare many other young players in the organization to Veselainen for what was presented to them at the NHL level this year. Most of the other players would have traded that opportunity in a heartbeat, and uh, it didn't go well. Jeff Hamilton's with us. Listen, Hammer, I do want to get to the CFL story with you. I just very quickly, I know you're a good friend of our pal, Nick. Uh, we're back in blizzard weather here, folks, uh, on a good kind. Not the blizzards we've been talking about for seven months. Uh, hit by hit up the Nick and Nikki DQ, any one of the four, the DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, or DQ St. Anne's for the great taste of summer, the Dairy Queen Blizzard. May I also suggest check out one of their brand new stack burgers as well. And if you do have an event, maybe a little party coming up for the weekend, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll take your order, get it custom made for you for you to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. Uh, our friends at Not Auto Corp are ready for the summer. If you think it's about time to get into a new whip before you do anything, pop down and see our friends at Not Auto Corp, as well as you can find out more on the Tesla experience they have program if you're considering moving over to an electric vehicle. Bottom line is, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and Gilbrey or online at not.ca. And uh, tell you what, I'm going to be heading down. We are planning a little event at some point in the next little while over at Little Brown Jug. We'll have more details on that in the coming weeks. Uh, but Little Brown Jug has just launched a cider fermented for four and a half months from cold pressed apples from Ontario Orchard using a mix of wild and cultured yeast. It's dry and refreshing and gluten free. Uh, and that's just one of many new Little Brown Jug products, including the Queer Beer, Saison, Hefeweizen, and Folkfest Lager. Stop by their taproom or patio on William Avenue to try one of their delicious new brews. And, of course, you can also order for home delivery Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, Hammer, we thought we had a deal. Everything was done. The players were back on the field. <laughs> And then we find out that the deal between the CFL and the CFLPA was not ratified by the players. What the hell is going on? Yeah, so I will say this before I get into that. I went, I went to, uh, I went to, uh, I got a cake from Nick this week. It was the Blizzard uh, Reese's. It was amazing. So definitely <laughs> shout out to Nick. Um, you know what? I, it was crazy to think that we were going to get into a strike. And then it was even crazier to think that once, you know, you know, once all the what do you, whatever you want to call it, reality TV show that it became or sideshow that it became with the public arguing and, and, and all those things. I mean, after that, um, you didn't think that it was going to get down to a no vote. And so there's a couple different things here at play. Uh, one, 
between 30 and 35% of eligible voters never voted. So, and if you, if great you listen look. To, great. Yeah, look. yeah, exactly. So if you look at probably who did vote and it would probably be mostly Canadians, well, then it kind of makes sense that one third of the, you know, you know, it, why this would have got shot down. Now, the two big issues um, are around the ratio, um, specifically around, uh, you know, as it turned out, for those who don't know, the original, well, the original deal was no ratio. Obviously, that was a joke. Um, and then it was six, you know, instead of seven Canadian starters, it was going to be six Canadian starters with a seventh that was eligible for the naturalized Canadian, which is ultimately an American with three years three years experience on that team or five years in the league and so that wasn't viewed as a as a get by the by the pa like you know i was talking to a bunch of canadians some you know jake thomas is the uh is is the uh is the player rep for the bombers you know talking to adam big hill that was a sticking point they don't want you know whether it's the canadians don't want to be that group that starts this ball rolling towards eliminating the ratio because that's the real fear here it's not that you know, oh my God, gosh, we lost one. Uh, you know, what lost one starting position for Canadian? It's like, okay, so we've lost one this time around. What's the next negotiation going to be? Two or three positions lost, and then so on and so forth, right? So there was a real fear out of that, and then they made it eight national starters with one. You know, again, one being a naturalized American. So they almost created this new position. That would count as, you know, an, uh, where it would at least bring a, a, at least one American into the mix where they would be, pro, you know, treated as if they were Canadian and therefore paid more. So there was kind of a happy medium. And then they added in that negotiation, the one that was ultimately, you know, given the thumbs up by the by the negotiating committee in, in, the, in the CFL and, and by the executive committee of the Players Association, um, included three additional naturalized Canadians who could play up to 49% of the snaps. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been trying to wrap my brain around this thing for since it's been announced, and I just don't get it. On one hand, I don't know how you count the snaps. Um, and on the other, I also don't know how many teams would have those kind of players that already weren't starters. Like, you're telling me you're going to have a guy who's played five seasons in the CFL? not be a guy who you start on, on you know on, on offense or defense or even a guy you've had for three seasons now there's probably more likely foot of the of the guy to be three seasons because we know guys dress they play special teams they can you can get you can add up those years pretty quickly but if you weren't good enough to get a starting position you know at that point what makes you think that you're going to be good enough to then steal it from a Canadian now it's certainly possible anyways I think there was so much confusion around around you know how that would apply what teams might do to circumvent those rules and whatever that i think that same fear that the canadian players had in you know in the six and one you know naturalized canadian came back thinking like oh no like if, if you know if maybe we're not thinking this through maybe in three or four years you know all of a sudden this is coming back to bite us in the ass and you know we agreed to this so then what do we move on so i think that became a major sticking point another one was a ratification bonus i didn't even know a ratification bonus was on the table but i guess they i guess in previous negotiations it had had been so um you know what a ratification bonus is is ultimately players getting cash compensation for you know voting through 
uh, the new CBA. And so I think that was a contention in some different markets. And I think that's another takeaway here um, is that it's not like, it's not like every single issue is identical, just like every market isn't identical um, in each play, in each CFL city. So I think, you know, we were, you know, talking to players today, you know, some had issues with dental and, and, you know, and I, I, you know, I coverage um, others had, you know, the restoration or, or ratification, sorry, bonus that that was an issue. Others had, you know, had the, had the ratio and it was an accumulation of all of the above in some ways too. Not to mention the, the fact that 30, 30 to 35% of the eligible voters, I imagine many of which would have been American, didn't actually vote. And that's why we're here. I think the good news is, you know, we're going to get to a deal fairly quickly. I don't think we could, we, we, we will see games play or, can, or postponed or canceled this weekend. I think there's just too much at stake. And I just think there's too easy of a solution here, which could be as simply as going back to the six and one. Um, that I think that, you know, we'll get a deal here going and, and we will finally get back to uh, business as usual. I know it was reported, I believe John uh, John Hodge over to Three Down had mm-hmm. the uh, the CFL had tabled a new offer today. Do we have any idea what's in that, how different it is for it? And just speaking of your confidence that something gets done, I mean, what needs to happen and what's happening behind the scenes? I imagine this was a real eye-opener for a good portion of the membership of the CFLPA when they heard the news. Well, look, I mean, as far as the deal goes, I, I do think that, you know, as, as John reported, um, it has to do with, you know, and others too, that it's going back to that six and one, right? Because as daunting as that may feel, I mean, it's a seven year deal. And it's one, if you want to make that a wedge issue next time you negotiate, fine, wait in seven years and be like, no, like, we're not doing this every time we negotiate a, a new CBA, maybe every second one, right? I mean, there's ways of kind of of understanding from a, you know, and appeasing ultimately the Americans and the Canadians. Now that's the big storyline coming out of this, right? You ask about, about the reaction amongst, amongst players and, and the membership, you know, and, and you had a lot of, you know, our colleagues going out on social media and kind of painting this out as, you know, screw Canadian players that, you know, they, you know, they I don't say screw Canadian players, but like, you know, those are the guys that are doing this. Well, that's not the case. There's some Canadians that voted for this deal and there's some Americans that voted against it. Um, that being said, it'd be naive to suggest that this wouldn't create a division. I mean, we've already seen stuff on social me- media. I mean, Simone Lawrence is one of the best players in the in the CFL and he went off last night about, you know, Canadian players not putting in the, you know, the same amount of work as Americans and how he has things he says to Canadian players on the field. Like, I don't know what the hell that's all about, but if I'm a, if I'm a member of the Hamilton Tiger Cats and I'm Canadian, I'm not loving that, you know, that statement by him. You're, you're saying you go up to Canadians and diss them because of where they live. Uh, that's not going to fly in the CFL um, or at least amongst the Canadian guys. And so you know, I, I'm not, I don't, I, I think there, there is a bit of a, there was a bit of an animosity amongst American players, um, you know, that the, that the, that it was voted down. I don't think anybody is, you know, is going to, you know, or very few rather are going to come out and, and share their feelings like Simone Lawrence did. I think that's something you don't really do. Um, you don't want to create that wrinkle in your team, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. There's always been, you know, a healthy, how would I word it? Um, a bit of a divide 
uh, between American and Canadians who Americans know right away. And if they don't know, they, they soon find out, you know, why somebody is starting over them or why someone's getting paid significantly more of them and, 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 and how it has to do with their, with their Canadian passport. So, you know, seeing things like this get shot down, um, you know, where it works against Americans ultimately, um, I think, you know, it's only natural that you might be upset about it. But, um, you know, that remains to be seen. I think that, you know, those comments were a bit premature on social media. I mean, again, I think there is potential for that to be a bit of an issue. But at the same time, you know, this is the Canadian Football League. There's a reason why those rules are in place, um, whether you agree with them or don't agree with them. Um, and as an American player, yes, you know, we'd love, you know, I think the league would love to have more Americans make CFL their home and, and, and help sell the game and all those things. But the bread and butter of the CFL is Canadians. And, uh, you know, I think this vote kind of shows how important it is to, to, to a lot of the Canadians that play this game. Well, no doubt about it. I, I guess what I'm wondering is because they, I mean, this in a lot of ways was a direct vote against the people that negotiated this deal and put it together. How do they, how do they bridge this divide? How do they get this group together in a, timely fashion to avoid disaster jeff and i mean is there one or two individuals that could be the champions or that will be very key in building this bridge getting it done and doing it now well i do really think that there was potential that had the 30 percent of people voted uh we wouldn't even be dealing with this issue right now it, it, it it you know could have and i can't speak definitively on that i don't have the voting numbers but that's the belief among a lot of players as for your comment about the disconnect, there's very, you know, very clearly a disconnect um, between the executive committee and and the membership. Now, how how big of a disconnect? I'd argue not that big of one. Um, you know, I look at a guy like Adam Big Hill, who who is a you know a big part of that um, you know executive committee negotiating against the league, and this guy is putting tons of time in. You know, he he's putting you know his whole off season was all you know much of his off season was dedicated to to getting you know all players you know including canadian and american a good deal and they made a lot of they made a lot of strides in a lot of important areas including you know salary cap increase including you know 5 years now that doesn't kick in for a couple of years into the deal but 5 years of of medical coverage um they already went from 1 to 3 in the last negotiation in 2019 um, to guaranteed contracts, uh, that was, I didn't even think that would ever be, a, you know, you know, on the table. Um, but here we are, you know, not, now that that will be that will be happening. Now, it needs to be negotiated between the players and the team. It's not like every guy that signs, you know, uh, you know, resigns with a, with a club is guaranteed, you know, half his salary of, of the final year, which is ultimately the, the max you can offer. Um, but it is a it is a step in the right direction, and it does help some guys. Whether you're a you know a sixty five seventy thousand dollar player, or a five hundred and something thousand dollar player, getting some some job security in a contract because if they do cut you, you get to keep all uh, that half that money. Um, while well, you know, capable of signing with other teams. So there was lots of lots of big wins, if you will, in it. Um, that, you know, it, it just, it kind of, you know, to, to look at it being a complete disconnect would be unfair to suggest they didn't know what their membership wanted would be unfair. Um, but I think it does speak to, as I mentioned, you know, in a few, you know, not long ago, um, that it speaks to a little bit of the, of the different wants in each market that maybe they weren't getting, you know, weren't, weren't able, weren't able to please everybody, if you will. And, and, and again, I mean, it could be as simple as, 
the 30 something percent percent that didn't vote could have tipped it over to being, you know, to being a ratified CBA, or it could be bigger than that. And, and so, I mean, so, you know, that's ultimately what, that's ultimately what, uh, you know, Adam Big Hill said today is that they're still, you know, at the negotiating table there, there would be just because the CFL has presented you know, there a new offer doesn't mean it will be you know accepted not even by a vote, but just verbally with you know with the membership because clearly something you know clearly something hit a, a roadblock here. So there's you know as much as there has been progress in in these negotiations, and I and count me up, count me as one of the people who believe something will get done sooner than later. Uh, there's still a bit of work here to approve it and, and to ensure that, uh, you know, everybody's happy. Well, here's fingers crossed that uh, the next time we speak next week, we're talking about what's happening on the field at Bomber Training Camp and not what's happening off the field right now. And heck, if anything happens with a certain highly in-demand head coach this week, uh, we've always got an extra spot to prop you back on if you want to talk about it, Hammer. I know you're real busy. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, of course, folks, check out Jeff's reporting on both the Jets head coaching search and everything going on with the CFL and the CFLPA over at Winnipeg Free Press. Thanks for doing this, dude. Hey, Huss. Thanks for having me on, as always. I don't know if you saw it, but... Looking good! Finally got this fitted. It feels really good. It's like, the way I describe it, if I had to put a review on it, it'd be like a hug. You know, it's just a nice nice fitted... hoodie that's uh, considering it that's your hug for myself and remus every single time you put that on jeff we love you that much awesome well it's mutual guys thanks so much and uh shout out to the commenters hopefully they didn't roast me too much today no 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 popular guy has always just your your q rating continues to go up in the chat each and every time you join us kate thanks a lot dude Thank you. Oh, great stuff. There is our good friend, Jeff Hamilton. Well, as I mentioned, um, we're back on the golf course today. Saw a bunch of my friends out of Breezy Bend yesterday. Oh, man, it is great to finally get some spring-type weather. Great next few days is the uh, weather forecast, so get out there. If you're thinking about a great home for you and your family, for your golfing future, Talk to Corey over at Breezy Bend about this season and opportunities for next as well. Great junior programs, programs for women, practice facility, course improvements, clubhouse, best 19th hole in Manitoba golf. It's all there for you over at Breezy Bend. And again, congratulations to Justin Thomas for winning the PGA Championship on the weekend. Um, I popped by Boston Pizza yesterday with a friend. I got to give a special shout out to Callista, the bartender at the Taylor BP, who actually came, noticed that we were watching the game and asked us if we'd like the sound on for the game. That that is such an elite move of a sports bar. Um, so thank you to the friend, our friends at Boston Pizza Taylor. And again, uh, that's why BP is the best place to go and catch the game with your gang. Uh, you can order those gourmet pizzas, Boston wings, ice cold schooners. And heck, if you are staying home, you can also always get it online at bostonpizza.com. Make sure to check out their great game day deals. And hey, one more day or one more week Till we're back horsing around at the track. Assiniboia Downs Live Racing is back one week for today, beginning their schedule, which will normally run Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. The Prime Rib Buffet is back this year, and uh, it's going to be full fields, great chances to win big out at the Downs. And up until that point, you can always get an account over at hpibet.com to bet on tracks around the world as well as mobile wagering on races over at Assiniboia Downs. All right, we've talked a lot of Jets. 
We've talked about the CFL issue. Let's talk about what's happening on the ice tonight. Game four, Battle of Alberta. The Connor McDavid show continues to roll. And our good friend, handsome Tommy Gazzola, joins us now from TSN in Edmonton. Well, how was the weekend in Edmonton? I imagine it was a pretty festive scene coming off the win in Calgary in game two, the big win on Sunday night. And uh, I know from listening and talking to Dusty earlier today, people are ready to go for tonight. Uh, Probably good times around northern Alberta right now, Tom. Us, I went to pick up groceries yesterday morning thinking it's a long weekend. Everything should be nice and quiet, which it was. But a lot of people needed groceries as well. And I looked around as I'm shopping and I'm like, why is everybody wearing sunglasses at nine in the morning (laughs) on a holiday Monday inside a Safeway? And sure enough, I was like, must have been a heck of a night in a good old our town and you know what it was a really good weekend for oiler fans after a couple of wins and i just i thought that that summed it up in a funny way and then down at the rink today i'm looking inside the plaza where they have the watch parties and that whole thing is just it's just loaded with water they had to scrub it because of uh how much fun people were having at the watch party. So I think those are two good indicators as to what kind of weekend it was in Edmonton. Well, and and, and listen, justifiably so. I mean, there's no better time than uh, the playoffs if you're a hockey fan and your team is in it. Uh, and we were talking about it for weeks heading into this potential matchup between the Oilers and Flames that it's exponentially ratcheted up when it's Edmonton versus Calgary. Yeah. Um, and, and listen, I thought the Oilers stunk in game number one. I thought they were pummeled in just about every single aspect of the game. However, it was interesting to note that Jacob Markstrom had a real rough night. I left that game thinking, I don't know how Edmonton wins a series. They finally get, they finally get six goals and they still don't win the game. But I got to tell you, we saw it in game six and game seven against the Kings. And we are continuing to see it. Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, putting his team on his back. And if it's possible, continuing to elevate his game. Tom, you've covered this guy since he came into the league. Um, I mean, what do you make of the show that McDavid's putting on right now through these playoffs? I mean, putting up historic numbers and having his team two wins away from the final four. It's incredible to watch, first of all. I think that's an understatement. And obviously, we all feel the same way, whether you're watching him live or you're watching him on TV. It's it's like in the NHL video game series, if if you were basically holding down the boost button the entire time. That's Connor McDavid. Like, he can do that. He's the cheat code, as they say. But I, I felt like in game six and seven, at the end of that King series, that was like the start of McDavid starting to write his uh, legacy in the postseason. And, and that chapter of his career, those were the first couple of chapters. And then I didn't know what to expect. I expected him to be very good in this series. And then, like you said, that was a terrible game one for the entire team. They, they tied the game 6-6 in game one early in the third period and didn't even feel like they were still in it. Sure enough, Calgary came back a minute and a half later and scored and then took over the game and it was done anyway. But he's stepped it up again. And it just seems like anything Calgary tries to throw at Connor McDavid, he's got an answer for it. He's got a new trick up his sleeve. He does something absolutely crazy. Uh, Huss, you're watching him and, and he's faking out their defenseman, the Calgary defenseman. Every time he gets a chance, I, I saw a stat that, you know, he's had 37 attempted control or zone entries and uh 34 of them he's been successful with and that's leading the playoffs like he's getting 
everything he wants on the ice. He's just dictating the play. That's how good he's been and uh, just dominant through and through. So what kind of show he's going to put on tonight, who knows, buckle up, because it's going to be crazy. I mean, this has just been incredible to watch. Maybe the biggest beneficiary of the greatness of McDavid is our old pal, the natural who had a natural hat trick on the weekend. Um, Evander Kane's story is, is wild. Um, listen, he's been a jerk in other places before. There's a lot of people that don't like him. This yeah. was a true chance at reclamation of his career, maybe some bit of redemption, you know, to Evander's credit, he's uh, apparently, you know, been a good teammate and he's certainly doing it on the ice. Such a unique package, um, Tom, with the speed that he has, the physicality and his ability to score. And listen, I know people were maybe surprised that he chose Edmonton, but for a guy that was trying to reclaim his career, doing it alongside 97, the smartest move he ever made. But um, man, he continues to pay dividends. Uh, you've seen him throughout yep. the season, but is he benefiting from McDavid? Um, and how much is McDavid benefiting from having a guy like Kane to play with? This has been uh, a match made in heaven. I know it could be a temporary one, but you know what? This was a player, obviously, like you said, Haas, and you've had interactions with him uh, in his time in Winnipeg where he needed this. Like His career was on the line, and this opportunity that Ken Holland and the Oilers presented him was a perfect way to, to kind of get things back on track, and he's done that perfectly. So... Um, yes, he's benefited from playing with Connor McDavid as most do, uh, but he's probably the best winger that Connor McDavid has had. And yes, you could throw Leon Drysaddle up there as the best winger, but Leon Drysaddle is a centerman. So, uh, outside of Drysaddle, Evander Kane's the best winger that he's ever played with in his time as an Oiler, and and it's been a mutually beneficial partnership and how long it lasts we shall see but right now it's going very well uh and the other thing too Huss, that that kane has really brought to the table is he has the skill obviously that that ability to score beautiful goals is great he scores greasy goals that's great that's something that edmonton sorely lacked we could point to last season in the postseason between the jets and the oilers the oilers depth was exposed or their lack thereof so uh kane has added to that and his physicality, the confidence that he brings. There's so many elements that he's brought to the table for this Oilers team that's benefited the group. And then on top of that, yeah, he's benefiting from playing with Connor McDavid. They read off each other really well, and that's great. But so too does Kane read off of Leon Dreisaitl when he gets opportunities to play with him. This is a, a good situation. It's created depth down the lineup. Uh, the ripple effect is there. And on top of that, I would say another guy that's benefited from – all of this too is Zach Hyman, who can slot in either on the top line or on the second line. And he's he been also... so good, man. He's been exactly what they needed. Like even exactly. in the game, uh, even in game one, he was. I mean, listen, we'll kind of McDavid's McDavid, but I mean, sure. of the rest of the guys, he was the one guy that seemed to be engaged, that was still there, was making things happen. And you know, often you'll see those free agent signings where you bring a guy in at a pretty big ticket for the contract of his career, and they don't come through. Hyman's been everything that the Oilers hope this season. And, um, you know, especially right now when you really make your money, um, he's shown that um, he's playoff ready and he's been a big, big addition as well as Evander. His motor's always running. And then like Kane, he scores greasy goals. He scores them in the tough areas. He's willing to go there. And his puck possession game is phenomenal. The work he does below the goal line, it just 
stuff that, you know, it's really enlightened and opened up a lot of Oilers fans to what this team was lacking. A lot of them knew, but to actually see it in action where it's like, oh, that's what a good cycle looks like. That's what puck retrievals looks like. Uh, those two have really been a, a huge benefit to this team. And it, it's good for the Oilers that they have Hyman locked up for a few more years, obviously. And then, you know, with Kane, we'll see. But those guys play playoff-style hockey and, and can have success. And the consistent wave after wave of, of attack is, is something you need, especially against Calgary. And it's proved beneficial to the Oilers. And they've gotten to Jacob Markstrom. And and Huss, speaking of Markstrom really quickly, like this is one of the best goalies in the league this year, obviously, a Vesna finalist. But against everyone except Edmonton. Exactly. Like Edmonton has touched him up for going into that last game. In the six games that the Oilers and Flames had played, they had gotten five plus against Markstrom uh, in the season series this year, and then they got him for four, and he doesn't finish the game. They have to throw in Dan Vladar to finish up. So for whatever reason, the Oilers have the book on Markstrom, and I'm sure he's going to try to come back with a great game tonight, and it'll be a challenge for the Oilers to to crack him again. But they've they've found a way against Markstrom, despite how good he's been against the rest of the National Hockey League. Well, and part of the reason why I was on Calgary to win this series is because I thought they had a big, big advantage in the net. And yep. that simply has not been the case. I still don't trust Mike Smith, but <laughs> I'll tell you what. I mean, they haven't gotten anything close to a conference championship level game from their goaltender, and that's going to be it. But regardless of Markstrom, what have you made of the Flames the last couple of games, as well as what they've had to say after the game, sort of seemingly trying to convince themselves that it's just one guy that's beating them because it hasn't just as great as McDavid's been. It hasn't just been McDavid. I mean, yeah. and a lot of this is probably self-inflicted by the flames and the way they've, they've played in these last two games. Yeah. I, I mean, you look at McDavid and they say, okay, the one guy's having a, a good, a good game or they're focused on one guy, but McDavid wasn't even anywhere close to the top in minutes played last game. There was a bunch of guys ahead of him. Ryan Nugent Hopkins played a ton. Leon Dreisaitl played a whole bunch. Hyman played a whole bunch. And, and McDavid, when he's been out there, has been totally effective. Absolutely. But, um, you know, the gamesmanship has been happening. We were joking about the Yari Curry ballroom at the team hotel where the Flames were staying. And, and the PR team had put in the Lanny McDonald room and renamed it. Just the, the little things like that, um, you know, makes it interesting for guys like us in the media. But at the same time, you're right. Like, you start to think, are they in the the Flames heads a little bit. And is that really true that just one guy's beating him? I don't necessarily believe so. Drysaddle set a record for assists in a in a period the other night with four. Like he's doing pretty darn on good one leg. too. Yeah, on one leg. And and his leg seems to be getting better. So it's not just Connor McDavid. Is Connor McDavid a monster part of it? Yeah, obviously. Did we know that going in? Yes, clearly. It's always the storyline, but there's other guys too that are playing very, very well. I'll even mix in Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who who played good. Uh, Evan Bouchard's been good the last couple of games. Duncan Keith has been good. Cody Cece, like they're getting the best performances from a lot of the guys not named Connor McDavid, and I think that goes a long way in helping establish Edmonton's two-one lead. Sort of a warm welcome will uh, Milan Lucic receive tonight at uh, at Rogers Arena? <laughs> well, I mean, they did like him for a time here, but uh, I don't know. It was it was interesting. He did hold back, and and I have a lot of time for Milan Lucic. He was uh, great to deal with when he was an Oiler. He's still great to deal with now. Let's not kid ourselves. Yes, he he took a run at Mike Smith. Nobody's denying that. 
But if he really wanted to wallop Mike Smith, he would have and could have. Um, he's he's good. He knows how to stir it up. So I'm sure the fans will be on him. I'm sure the fans will be on Jacob Markstrom. I'm sure they're going to be on Johnny Goudreau. The vibe in that building the other night, us, was the best I've ever seen it. And, you know, 2017 was really good. And there's been some moments this season. Uh, game seven against LA was excellent, but there was just something about it the other night. I think it is because it's the Battle of Alberta and the way the Oilers played. Like it was on a whole new level, which is incredible. So I'm sure there's going to be some Bronx cheers for Milan Lucic uh, because Oiler fans uh, are, are loud and they're proud and they'll let uh, their emotions uh, take, take them away. Well, this game tonight, I mean, to me, is the series. I think if Edmonton wins this, they're in a great position to finish it off. If Calgary wins, it gets back to a best of three with two on home ice. And I certainly expect the best effort of the series tonight from the Calgary Flames. I think they come out as a desperate team with a real sense of urgency. And I think that's the only way they're going to win this game tonight. What are you looking for from the visitors tonight coming off those two straight losses? Yeah, one of the things that has been discussed, whether it was here in Edmonton or back in Calgary, was it doesn't seem like the Flames are playing their style of game, and that's moving up and down the ice in groups of five, in a group of five, pardon me, and attacking as five, defending as five, and Edmonton's found a way to to get through it. And and again, yes, a lot of it's McDavid establishing uh, the forecheck, controlling the puck taking it into the zone. The Oilers have done a good job of that, and they found seams through the flames, something that uh, they weren't able to do that much against L.A. because L.A. defended a ton with their 1-3-1, and they stymied Edmonton with their system to a certain extent. Calgary hasn't been able to do that, and it's been the Oilers dictating the play. So I know the Flames have talked about their five-man unit and starting to play like that. Um, if if they do, then they'll get their chances, but Edmonton has been pretty, pretty good at... Uh, not allowing it to happen. So if the Oilers, you know, move pucks out efficiently from their own zone, which they have been able to do, and they're good with the transition game, and they're able to disrupt Calgary's transition game because we know Calgary has a lot of speed and skill and can control the play going up the ice. Um, that's that's where Edmonton has had had some success in games two and three, and we'll need to try to continue to do so. But if Calgary's able to establish that, I think they're going to get some opportunities. And, and you're right, you can get to Mike Smith. He's been beaten in this postseason a bunch of times when he's been really good, he's been really good, but he is not, uh, he's not a brick wall back there, but he's been steady and stingy, but you can get to him. No doubt about it. Tom Gazzola is with us folks. If you want more great Oilers content throughout the uh, playoffs, make sure to check out the oil stream with the uh, Tommy and our guy, Dustin Nielsen uh, with content coming out every couple days. Uh, hey, just before we go, we're talking a lot about coaching searches right now. Yeah. And, you know, the comparisons of the Jets and Oilers are so fascinating from this past year. I mean, those two games at the end of November where they were both near the tops of their division and yeah. the West, the complete bottoming out over the next little while and the two coaching changes. Um, you know, the Winnipeg Jets had an assistant, Dave Lowry, take over on an interim basis. The Oilers went a very different way. They hired Jay Woodcroft. They brought along Dave Manson from the farm team. Um, what do you remember? What was the initial reaction from Oiler fans about the choice of Jay Woodcroft as coach when he was hired? And is it safe to say he's now the second or third most popular resident of Edmonton outside of uh, 97 and maybe Leon Dreisaitl? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a tumultuous time because the owners had kind of 
prep their way back into uh, winning games right before the All-Star break. And then they come out of the break and they went back to back on home ice. It was Vegas and Chicago and they lost those games. And so any momentum they had had prior to the break was essentially gone. And then the next day, Dave Tippett was fired and, and Jay Woodcroft was getting the call up. And, and talking to, to Woodcroft, he didn't even expect it. He, he was, you know, keeping tabs on the big club and, and he wasn't sure what was going on. He thought things had been going good until the all-star break. And, and he got the call and had to scramble and make his way up here with, with uh, Dave Manson. So I think it was a wake-up call and a shock to the system from the group's perspective, which they needed. And uh, he's also gotten their attention, clearly. He's, he's tweaked a couple of things a little bit, and he's got the buy-in, which has been huge. And the focus on the little things in the team's overall game, uh, 200 by 85, has been heightened. And that attention to detail has gone a long way. It's incredible what he's been able to do. Um, but I, I honestly us didn't know how it would go with Jay Woodcroft. I mean, there were certain points in this season where they won two out of 16 games, and you're like, I don't know if Jay Woodcroft in this situation is an ideal one for a first-time NHL head coach. Maybe they got to get in somebody temporarily uh, to finish out the season. I thought maybe they would be reluctant to get rid of Dave Tippett considering Ken Holland's time in the National Hockey League, not firing a coach midseason. And sure enough, it was the first time for everything, and he, he pulled it off, and Woodcroft came in, made those tweaks. Uh, however daunting the situation was, he, uh, he put his head down, got to work, and, and it's been effective. It's, it's been incredible, truly. And a lot of the fans wanted Woodcroft. Some wanted the bigger name guys that were out there. Uh, some pointed at Paul Maurice to, to draw in that connection to Winnipeg. Uh, and, and make it closer. And then some wanted guys like a, a Mike Babcock and, and player, or coaches who had been floating around like that. And it turns out that Jay Woodcroft was the solution, the internal solution. And uh, I think he's going to get a contract. And sure, it's not done yet. But um, as he puts it, uh, they'll take it one day at a time. 8.30 tonight, Winnipeg time. Game four, the Battle of Alberta. Don't miss it. Tommy, great having you back on the program. Let's do this again soon. Thanks for having me, Haas. Always good to be on with you. <clears throat> Appreciate it. Give him a follow on Twitter at Tom Gazzola. And as I said, make sure to check out the oil stream for the latest on the Oilers with Tommy and our boy, Dustin Nielsen. All right. Hey, great crowd today, by the way, in the chat, shout out to everyone. If you haven't already hit that red subscribe button, do us a favor. We are approaching 7,000 subscribers, uh, which is great. Totally free. Of course, you'll get it up into your feed each and every day. And of course, if you want, you can turn your notifications on which lets you know every day, Monday to Friday, when we are live. And by the way, hit that thumbs up button too while you're at it. All right, we're going to get Remus back in here in just a second. There still is a Bomber game scheduled for Friday. We'll get more clarity on where things are at probably in the next 24, 48 hours. But fingers crossed, everything goes on as planned. And that'll be the first time we can get out to the Princess Auto tailgate party outside of IG Field before every Blue Bomber game this season. And Princess Auto, in addition to being great supporters of our local teams, is also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road and Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. 
Uh, I don't know about you folks, but I did crack a couple CC and gingers on the weekend. The great new addition to the ready-to-drink beverage market from our friends at Canadian Club. Uh, it really will be the drink of the summer. Grab a six-pack and try it out at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts or your local beer store right now. Don't worry about mixing it. Just grab a cooler and a little bit of ice, and you are set for a great summer day with Canadian Club CC and Ginger ready to drink. All right, we're going to get to the cool bet lines in a minute. We'll look at these games tonight, but let's get Michael Remus back in here because, uh, Remo, obviously we hit all the big stories of the day with Hammer, with Jeff, and, of course, battle of, or with Dave, I mean, and then, of course, uh, the Battle of Alberta with uh, with Tommy G., we do have, though, some uh, news from the World Championships, and it's a bit of a romp today for Canada, who is looking very, very good at the World Championships, thumping the French. But yesterday, it was the big upset. Denmark's first ever win over Canada, led by both Nikolai Ehlers and head coach Dad Heinz Ehlers. Kind of a shocking result last night as we get closer to the playoff round. But uh, if Canada was going to lose to anyone at the World Championships, I'm in on Denmark. You have to be happy for Nick, his dad, especially after not being able to participate in the Olympics, which Denmark qualified for the first time ever. Yeah, first time ever beating Canada. Pretty cool. We all have a soft spot for Denmark because of Nikolai Ehlers. Couple other um, milestones to know from the world's black names from the past. Franz Nielsen played his final game with Denmark today. Former shootout specialist with the Islanders, signed a long contract with the Red Wings. As well, you mentioned Canada uh, over France. It was Cristobal Huey's final game for France. Uh, you remember him, goalie with Montreal of course, Kings, and um, who else? Montreal, and, LA, uh, and there's one of the Chicago, I believe. Chicago to uh, Christabel Hewitt. So I remember him. And a couple, I mean, Adam Lowry tearing it up. He had, um, what, he had a assist yesterday for them. Dubois with two goals today. Adam Lowry, another point. Uh, Ehlers had an assist. And Nate Schmidt making impact as well. And USA's win over Norway. Lowry and Dubois are having just phenomenal tournaments. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy for Adam Lowry. I mean, he plays a certain role here with the Winnipeg Jets and, you know, hasn't had a lot of international opportunities in the past. And, hey, hopefully this is the only time he'll have the opportunity because the Jets are playing in the playoffs for the next number of years. But for him to be able to make that team and play, I think he's got seven points in six games so far, Remus. I mean, he's really showing, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, an extra club in the bag. Although, uh, for my money, I thought Adam Lowry played some of his best hockey as a Jet in the second half of this season uh, when he really got the scoring touch going, was very, very dangerous on the PK. And he's been a big, big part of Canada. Uh, the uh, results are, like, the Swiss are having a heck of a tournament. The Swiss are 6-0 and right now in Group A. The Germans are 5-0-1. Canada now at 4-2. and um, so they're in a pretty good spot going into this, uh, this uh, you know, the, the, the final games of the round robin, and then we get into the uh, into the playoffs. Uh, the host Finns at the top of Group B with five wins and an overtime loss. Swedes four one and one, Czechia four zero one and one, and the USA two two and two right now looking to move on. And uh, I know, listen, I've paid attention to the World Championships throughout the round robin. Um, we'll pay even more attention to it and to see what PLD and Adam Lowry can do representing Canada once we get to that playoff round. 
Yeah, and those numbers that was from coming into today. So I'm just trying to figure out the uh, the updated ones as well. But yeah, we'll have an eye on uh, on the world as it moves on. And we did note heading into the tournament how Lowry and Dubois you know, were given leadership roles, both wearing the A on their jersey. And I have to wonder with the new coach if there is some letter shuffling. Just going by the way um, things ended last year. I'm kind of curious about that. I mean, I have no idea either way, but I think it's something worth speculating on when you just going by the comments. Oh, no. Notably Kyle Connor saying, um, what, never too early to start building culture? Yeah, four games left in the season. And, um, you know, just, and especially how some guys did step up in front of the microphone. Uh, As you mentioned, Ehlers, and I think Dubois and Lowry too took more bigger. Bigger roles, so um, we're having fun following the world. You know, if you want to see some Jets playing, there are some other Jets. Leon Gavanke going in and playing Let me ask for you Germany. This, and we'll put this out to the chat. Let's just say mm-hmm. that the new coach comes in with a blank slate and will name or have the players vote on, you know, who the captain should be. Who do you think? Who do you think the captain of the Winnipeg Jets would be next year? If you were I, changing, yeah, I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. I think it's Adam Lowry. Oh, I was going to say, say Morrissey. Yeah, but, but, I mean, listen, Morrissey would certainly be in the mix. And I think, you know, he's the one guy of that leadership group that I think, you know, obviously has a long-term, you know, contract with the club. And I think will be in that mix going forward. But, you know, I think more and more you see the sort of the divide of the club. Adam Lowry, in a lot of ways, I think was the sort of the other captain in the room that didn't necessarily need one on his jersey and was a big sort of bridge between, you know, the sides, if you believe what we've uh, what we've heard reported from, from a number of people. And he's a guy that, you know, is not going to be a guy that, you know, is going to demand first-line minutes or second-line minutes. I mean, he's such a consummate teammate that if you are trying to build that culture going forward, at least with me, he'd be at the top of my list. Um, you know, there's a bunch of other players, I think, that would be in the mix for that. Um, but... Count me a vote for Adam Lowry if they were going to do a blank slate and think about another guy to wear the C next year. I like, I'm reading from Chad. My vote was for Morrissey, the top defenseman, uh, you know, very knowledgeable guy, but former former Scholastic Player of the Year. Um, he was, I thought he's played a great role in media as well. Um, you know, but nominated for what his off ice work too. So I, I, I mean, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. <clears throat> I do like who Dan Milburn in chat says Stasny hands down. I, if, but I think it's whether or not he comes back. And would you want to give a guy, I think you could give him a letter, but you want to give him a captain if he's going to be here for, for one Paul year. Does Paul Stasny even need one, yeah. to be honest? I mean, a- I, you know, I think even last year he was the conscience of the team. We've talked about that for a long time here. And I mean... I think Paul Stastny, you know what you're getting from Paul Stastny, the way he's going to conduct himself, the way he'll buy in, all of those things, and whether you need that. I know some people asking about PLD. Well, I'll say this. I mean, first of all, you got to get a contract signed. Um, you know, I mean, I think if, you know, if he does sign a long-term deal with the Winnipeg Jets, I think he's absolutely in that mix for, you know, for a letter or a leadership position going forward. Um, and of course, obviously the huge question as well is what happens with Mark Shifley. Uh, and, you know, I think we'll have some clarity for that, not in the very near future, but probably in and around the, uh, the draft. So it'll be another interesting off season topic for us to consider, but I think we can really dive into that once we find out mm-hmm. who the new bench boss is for the Winnipeg Jets, whenever that is announced. It's fun to to speculate for sure, just based on how the way things went. 
you know, Mitch writes in in chat, next year's captain will be, and then dot, 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 uh, Blake Wheeler. And I think, you know, he would definitely be the favorite to return. Oh, yeah. But if, I mean, if they're, it depends on how much of a total reset they want to do here and, and quote, uh, build culture to you again, use that phrase. Kyle well, I mean, Connor I think that they said, are looking at, yeah. I mean, they're looking at some significant changes and assuming that Blake is back, you know, having a clean slate, this has happened with a number of teams before a guy that's been a great captain for many years moving into, you know, a more senior role, maybe not necessarily as the guy that does the media. And to be honest, I mean, if you think about this season, just when it comes to the responsibilities of the captain, if you told Blake that he wasn't going to have to be the spokesperson for the entire team, I think he might be fine with that. Um, but as I said, these are these are uh, big discussions that will come around whoever the new head coach is on the Winnipeg Jets. And of course, you know, who's left after assumingly some significant tweaks to the roster or maybe some big, big changes to the roster. And that's going to be a fun topic for us to kick around on this program for the next couple of months, Reem. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can be touching on that for a while. So Barry Trotz, you know, take we had a lot of people in chat today. We've hit some major milestones in subs, as you said, approaching seven thousand. Uh, we did hit. I was hoping to hit this soon, but yes, we did hit the six nine six nine. Very nice. Surprise! You for didn't subs. just stop subs at that point. Sorry, no one else can sub. But we're gonna leave it there. <laughs> yeah. So there it is. We just we just passed that though. I think we're at six nine seven seven. So. Approaching that, had to toss that out there. I do have the, uh, sorry, updated double um, IHFs, you know, after today's games. PLD, he's third in scoring. He's got 10 points in seven games behind Dennis Mulligan and Roman Cervanka. I mean, this is who's at the tournament. And Adam Lowry, 11th in scoring. He's tied with uh, Timo Meyer. He's got eight points in seven games. So a number of players actually have eight and seven. So, I mean, performing very well. I mean, that's what you want from those guys. Um, Dave Naylor has, as we're winding down, he's been tweeting. He's got some more details from. Oh yeah, give us Randy the update. Give us the update for Nails. This is. I'll just read this here. Um, just spoke to Randy Ambrosi. Got details on the new offer. The league provides one million ratification bonus, but removes four hundred fifty thousand from the twenty twenty two cap and six seventy five. I'm assuming a thousand dollars in guarantees in twenty eight. Uh, the 28 cap may not be effective if revenue sharing kicks in. They propose moving back the ratio model of six true Canadians and one, uh, sorry, back to six true Canadians and one naturalized American, which was in their May 14th proposal. And then he says the deadline is midnight Eastern Thursday unless they go on strike. And, um, and then if they reject that proposal the CFLP the training camps will be shut down and the league will no longer house and feed the players as they have been doing during the work stoppage so some big deadlines coming up midnight eastern thursday get it done folks we want to mm -hmm. be out at IG field watching some preseason CFL football see the bombers take on the riders next tuesday and then move on and get ready for kickoff in june for the three-down season and the Bombers' attempt at a three-peat. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines for tonight's game before we finish it up. Um, two games. First game is just after 6 p.m. It's the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. This is basically a pick -em. Rangers minus 108, Canes minus 104 on the money line. And as I mentioned earlier, Remo, it's been very strange. 
Kane's Ofer on the road, perfect at home. Does that change? I'm kind of with Dave Poole, and I think that changes tonight, although I'd love to be wrong and see the Rangers two wins away from uh, improving that Jets pick in the second oh. round to a first-rounder. I'm conflicted. I have Carolina in my bracket, so I would like to see them win. I think they can give Tampa a run. But, uh, yes, that Jets draft pick that we're salivating. So, um, I'll, I'll, I would bet uh, Carolina. I think they're, they're a better team. But if Shesterkin shows up, then, uh, then you know, Rangers He's been are great so good. far in this series. Yeah. Very, very a different guy than the guy we saw getting yanked a couple times in the series against Pittsburgh. And then it's the Battle of Alberta. Flames minus 105, Oilers minus 108. That number's kind of been all over the place. When I did the lock shop, Calgary was plus 101. Seems like some money's coming in. Again, very close to a pick em. I am going to stick with the Flames, though, tonight. As disappointing as these last couple games were, I think they get back into the series. I think they regain a home ice advantage with their best performance of this series so far, Riemann. Hey, listen, they're going to need to be better in a lot of areas if they're going to do that and find out some way not to um, neutralize, but at least to minimize the damage of Connor McDavid because he really has been taking it to Calgary. Although, despite what they might say, it hasn't just been a one-man show. Yeah, it was nice uh, catching up with Tom on that. It's funny, I was like ready to turn off the series when the, flame, when the Flames were up 4-1 in Game 1 and uh, how the tables have turned since then. We even saw the natural hat-trick from the natural Evander <laughs> Kane. I'm still on Calgary. Uh, there's a reason why these series are seven games. You're going to have these ebbs and flows. So uh, I know Connor McDavid is otherworldly right now, but I still uh, am having a hard time backing down from Calgary, although this seems to yeah, be... Well, Markstrom's got a mix and a save. Yeah. I mean, you know, he just has not been very good in this series so far. And going back, I mean, since he's joined the Calgary Flames, he has been lit up in the Battle of Alberta, both in the regular season and the playoffs so far. So... First things first, get a strong performance from your goaltender and then uh, as a team, figure out how to stop 97 from killing you over and over again. Hey, just quick update on the Stanley Cup odds right now. The Avalanche plus 145, the Tampa Bay Lightning plus 260, Carolina Hurricanes plus 525, Oilers plus 750, Flames plus 850, uh, the Rangers 25 to one and the blues facing elimination are 90 to one be interesting I, blues, by the way, tomorrow are a, a two to one underdog in Colorado. Be interesting to see what they have. They got completely unhinged. They were so off of their game. Nazem Kadri and the avalanche took full advantage of it. And uh, now they're facing elimination with a game in Colorado for, uh, tomorrow night. I'm surprised the lightning are still plus two sixty based on, you know, the fact that they've won their series in Colorado, yeah. although they, you know, looking at the odds, Colorado minus two thirty eight tomorrow. They're basically assuming Colorado will win anyways. As far as Tampa goes, I think last year I was like, no, no Tampa. I'm sick of these guys. I don't want them to win anymore. And this year uh, on Tampa, I'm like, oh, man, these guys are so good. How can you cheer against them? Uh, Vasilevsky, I mean, he gets sh uh, shutouts like every, almost every time in, Olymp in elimination games. They got the best D in Hedman, Damkos and Kucherov. That's, you know, top five fours. I've said this all last week, but how can you cheer against these guys? I mean, to see three in a row. You don't see that that often, so I'm. I think I'm on the Tampa train, even though I picked Carolina. Well, I'm a, I'm big on Tampa right now. I mean, mm. we hit our picks before the playoffs started, and I got on them out of the East. And uh, 
hit him at plus 130 against the Lightning uh, or against the Panthers. And then as we got closer to puck drop and it went up to plus 140, did it again. So thank you, Lightning, for making up for my crappy PGA picks at Cool Bet on the weekend. And uh, we're still in the game heading into tonight. Again, I'm going Calgary and Carolina this evening. Uh, and let's see if we put those two together. For a little parlay plus 283 just about three to one if you want to get those two again if you haven't bet a cool bet before use the promo code wst on your first deposit give you a 100 bonus up to 200 dollars uh anything else you want to get uh get to before we uh, roll i'll just throw out i mean the stuff about uh cadre uh pretty pretty gross um his wife's sharing the screenshots oh of the God. messages and i think we just have to point out like if anyone is messaging a DMing a player or a player's family. Take a look in the mirror. Come on, what are we doing here? And get help. Going, get help. Yeah, going on and counseling, making racist remarks. So gross to read. And um, I know, like, she posted screenshots of the messages, and people did that like, using their real names. And uh, Mikey Stevens, Mike Stevens of the Hockey News, tweeted out, you know, screenshots of her stories and he says a family member of one of these accounts reached out to me just now desperately desperately asking me to take the tweet down because his brother sent a message to Kadri while he was drunk now their family is getting attacked and they feel unsafe um i mean there's i'm not going to make your bed you're going to sleep yeah. in it i mean i have no i have no patience for uh, these idiots um they give so many fans a bad name and the bottom line is, in any aspect of our society, it's disgraceful behavior. But back to it for the people that are listening. If you're ever, if you ever feel compelled to uh, fire up the gram and uh, you know fire off a DM to someone that is a player or, God forbid, a family member, mm -hmm. take a step back, log off, and get your head together hey. because um, you know people that do that, as you said beforehand, they're just simply not okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And speaking of that, and I can transition to something else. Bob Irving, legendary voice of the Bombers, you know, his first year not calling in, you know, so many years, has been tweeting out about training camp. And someone just tweeted at Bob Irving and was like, Bob, we don't care anymore. I was like, how could someone just tweet that at him? That was the worst. That was like outside of all the racist stuff, because that's yeah. at a whole nother level. That's a, yeah. That's the worst take in Winnipeg Twitter in a long, long time. I, I don't even know what to say. I, Bob's the best. And I love the fact that Bob's still engaged with the Canadian football yes. and giving his thoughts. And guess what? Like with anything, don't follow someone if you don't want to find their tweets. Figure it out, people. Like, it's not that hard. I, I'm trying to find, yeah, my dad sent that to me. And he's like, it's amazing. And I've had stuff in my inbox, too. Being like, oh, you have a terrible nasally voice. <laughs> Some guy d just like randomly. I'm like, who are these people just randomly DMing like mean stuff <laughs> like that? Come on, be better. Be psychos, better. psychos, everyone. Someone, Take a chill pill. Like, Back away from your uh, your phone. I was yeah, like I was barely on the radio, and some guys. I would have got like 20 minutes a day, and some guy took the time to find out my Twitter account, DM me. 
that I didn't, that I had a horrible it's probably nasally one of your voice. Buddies. It's probably one I, of your buddies. I, I Everyone w- loves you, Reem. I, 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 I wish. <laughs> uh, Eric Charlosen. Eric's got a great tweet to finish this up. Yeah. Social media gives trolls some strength to be a keyword warrior, but will fold quicker than my laundry if they mm-hmm. say it in person. Uh, pretty much, uh, pretty much bang on. Um, so anyways, had to address that. It is hilarious how Kadri has sort of become the sympathetic figure through all of this. And frankly, he and his family should be thought of sympathetically right oh. now. Uh, but he sure stuck it up St. Louis's ass last night with that, with that hat trick and triggering them even more. And I'll say this, as much as it was disgraceful about the way that the fans were behaving, and that's what we've talked about, St. Louis was embarrassing last night. I mean, you know, for a team that's won the Cup, to get so unhinged and just be hell bent on getting revenge on Kadri to their own detriment um, was, it was amateur hour. And listen, you want to take a run at a guy next year in the regular season or, you know, in a game that's blowed out. I mean, listen, you probably, you, you'll have to deal with it that way. But I mean, the two penalties on the same play, just handing over a five on three power play to the freaking Colorado Avalanche. I mean, it just doesn't get much stupider than that. And then the cheap shot that David Perron tried to deliver as Kadri was celebrating a goal was Bush League as well. But just by seeing that, you know exactly where St. Louis is. They are bent. They're completely off kilter. And uh, I think they're pretty much done. Yeah, uh, Perron got fined 5K for cross-checking Kadri. But yeah, that, I mean, trying to elbow a guy in the head after he scores so cheap, so dirty, so unnecessary. Um, I think other, you know, fans of other leagues laugh. I see laughing at this 5K fine for trying to injure a guy. I mean, in the NFL, you can find, a, you know, tens of thousands for having the wrong color shoelaces. So, I mean, these 5K fines are becoming, you know, when it involves a player's health, I think are becoming like just such a, a increasing joke especially in the playoffs. Um, and I'll just wait. I, mean, I haven't really weighed in on the Kadri thing. Like, I, I thought what he had done in previous playoffs was pretty stupid, but I think that was just a guy going hard for a loose puck, and when you go hard to the net, stuff happens. I don't think he was trying to injure. He was trying to get to the puck. I, I, and it was just unfortunate. I mean, it sucks, yeah. sucks for the Listen, Blues, but... Uh, he was fully in on co- a collision with the goaltender. Yes. I mean, I, I'm sort of like where Dave's at. And, and listen, Nazem Kadri is so far from an angel, especially at the playoffs. I mean, I think you do have to sort of consider, you know, what he's done in the past and that extensive rap sheet. Um, but this was not to the level of anything that he had done before. And I think in a lot of ways, it was an unfortunate end to it. But for the Blues to handle it the way they have, frankly, has been embarrassing. And it's a big reason why they're probably going to be done in five games. Yeah, and I got to mention, that Barbashev hit on Sam Gerard that broke his sternum. Oh, my God. Like, absolutely devastating hit. Oh, and that's a big loss for them. But they are a good thing for Colorado. They are so deep on defense. If we get this Colorado-Tampa final, watch out. That'll be that'll be fun. Yeah, and of course, uh, Nicole J. How about Bennington yeah. throwing the water bottle at Kadri? Bizarre. I mean, exactly. And, hey, if I was St. Louis, I would be pissed off, too. Don't get me wrong. Um, It's just a matter of how you handle it. And I would have thought a team that's had the success that they've had, the experience that their head coaches had, would handle themselves a little differently and in a way that gave them more of a chance to be in that game, in this series, as opposed to facing elimination when they get home. We'll talk more about this series tomorrow when we get ready for Game 5. Of course, tomorrow we'll also react to everything that's happening tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
Trots Wash will continue. Hopefully, we'll have some more information on that at some point from some trustworthy sources on the program. Thanks again to Jeff for telling us everything that he knows today and make sure to check out his piece in the Winnipeg Free Press. Well, it has been a great show today. Great to be back. A busy, busy week coming up the rest of the way. We'll get into the mind of Murata Tesh tomorrow with more on Trot's Watch, more on the Stanley Cup playoffs, and hopefully some good news on a resolution with the Canadian Football League and the CFLPA. Thanks again to Dave Poulin, Jeff Hamilton, Tom Gazzola for joining us, and everyone in a very busy chat, except for you, Tinder XXYZ. Okay, what's going on, Tay? We're getting Tin- hit, hit Tinder's major back. trolls. You know what? Listen, the more, when we have big YouTube days... Mm-hmm. The cam girls roll in and you know, uh, try and uh, try and uh, get people. Don't click those links, everybody. They found, probably found out we hit six nine six nine follows <laughs> subs today on YouTube. That's probably what it was. Oh, I love face with the strong power moves on Remo. No kidding. Um, all right, gang. Anyways, have a great night tonight. Enjoy the games. We got to get these pods up. Thanks again to all the sponsors that make this show happen, and most of all to all of you for making Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily a part of your routine. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button on YouTube. Follow the podcast wherever you get it. And make sure to join us tomorrow, 1 o'clock, when we fire up again in less than 22 hours here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.